Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network. My name is Rob Howden, joined by David Cole for another edition of the EKN Debrief. It is episode number 54. It's August the 14th, 2019. David and I have both made it home after our road trips back from Newcastle Motorsports Park and the final round of the 2019 Supercarts USA Pro Tour Summer Nationals. Lots to talk about. It's going to be a long uh, podcast for sure. We'll go through all the categories. We'll talk paddock pass. Uh, we'll uh, wrap up some of the, uh, the stuff that, that happened over overview-wise first. And then, of course, capping off with our wrap-up at the end of the day. And then we'll look forward to the other events we have in the EKN Trackside Live race calendar. All right, this week's show, folks, presented by Franklin Motorsports. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry with over 50 years of combined karting experience, and they can provide you with everything you need to go racing. With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a wide variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. They specialize in IAMI engines, tilt seats, and of course, their championship-winning Merlin chassis. They've been supplying racers with start-to-finish support at race events for years, from providing a helping hand on a weekday test outing or at a club event, to full arrive-and-drive packages at the highest level of karting competition. For all things karting, visit franklincart.com. Dot com. All right, David Cole, we are a couple days. What is it? It's Wednesday right now, August the 14th. Uh, travel day was Monday. Back in the office to thrash and try to get caught up. You wrapped up all the race reports, that kind of thing. Uh, getting the uh, the audio ready from uh, from our ECAN track side to, to get that up on the radio network later on. But, man, just bottom line was pretty damn good weekend in terms of no red flags, great weather, awesome racing and a number of the championships going down to championship Sunday. That's really all you can ask for. It kind of went by a blur since I didn't get there till Friday morning. So that's true. I'm still kind of, I, I definitely think I like vacation after the summer nationals rather than before. I think I've learned <laughs> that now because it's just, you know, getting there late Friday, uh, Friday morning, really not till Friday noon. So I was kind of catching up on everything and we, we did our broadcast that afternoon, did the photos as usual. And then, and then, boom, it was Sunday night, and we were each eating Chop Chop. And it was like, wow, that went by quick. That's it. It did, yeah. Well, not unlike um, all of the month of July, and now we're already halfway through August. Exactly. It's just it's just like it's like a, uh, um avalanche. It just won't slow down. It just seems like Pretty the much. racing season just is continuing to just fall down and fall down and fall down. And we're trying to catch up with everything. And it's uh it's it's been fun and exciting but uh yeah it's just it's been a blur. Well, it's crazy. Between now and the first week of October, uh I have uh three road to Indian IndyCar races and three karting events still to do. And all of a sudden that when we're all done it's going to be October the 6th or 7th and you and I are going to be on a hiatus until we get to Supernets. It's 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 if I feel like I'm lining up for this hardcore run. I got you know I got this weekend off. Uh, and then I'm on for a couple and then one off and then on for, I think, four in a row. And I just feel like, man, this is going to be a tough run. But then I also have a feeling that I'm going to wake up one morning and it's going to be the middle of October and I'm going to be wondering what to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I think we do that on Wednesdays anyways, That's right? True. Yeah, I wonder where we are. That's what we do on Wednesdays. Um, let's let's jump into this, Dave. A quick, a quick overview of this year's Summer Nationals. 10th uh, season of the Supercarts USA uh, Pro Tour comes to a close. 
the 10th running of the Summer Nationals as well. Of course, that first year in 2010, it was Spring Nats, Summer Nats, Super Nats. Uh, this particular year, though, of course, since starting the Winter Nats a couple of years ago, we were in Cal Speed in Fontana in early March. We were at the Spring Nats uh, in the first week of May at the Utah Motorsports Campus. Rounds five and six, though, here at back at Newcastle again, and a new track layout, but 12 different categories battling it out for a championship. It was, yeah, and it was uh, shockingly, for me, shockingly, really a massive amount of numbers um, compared to what we saw earlier in the year. Uh, we saw 205 at the Winter Nationals. We saw only 185 at the Spring Nationals, but uh, Summer Nationals came up with 256 entries total for the weekend. So uh, you you compare that to the others. You know, last year, it's up from last year, 11 entries where it only had nine categories and then 2017 which is right now the pro tour record at 260 oh, excuse me sorry 261 um with only nine classes uh you know it was it was a really stout uh event uh, a great way to end the pro tour with the amount of numbers and and the competitiveness that was in mere pretty much every category that we had yeah, more more categories, as you said. Now, pretty much the same amount of race groups to a certain extent. I think a little, maybe one or two more race groups because you, know, you got your your G one and G two running together. You got the Pro one and Pro two running together. We have, of course, the Supermaster category in X X thirty as well. But numbers pretty strong. You know, we're still, of course, seeing the the, the lesser amounts we had in the in the shifter card categories. But actually, David, a, a pretty good weekend in terms of the IAMI SSC 175 and that program kind of showing that it's, it is, there is growth and it is moving in the right direction with 41 drivers in total. Uh, I think maybe even pro one being, being solid because pro one and pro two 32 in what was, is really a combined pro shifter class. Yeah. And you look at the numbers we had the largest, as you said, in shifters of the year, we had 41 shifters and then we had the largest in K 100 as well in 40 of those with the junior and senior combined. Uh, so yeah, it just, this weekend just brought in the massive amount of numbers, not to mention an increase in the X 30 and Swift categories as well. So it was just an increase all around. Uh, so that helped uh, for the entry total to be close to our record. Uh, not quite there. Uh, but as you said, uh, that pro shifter one and pro shifter two group, with uh, you know the combined numbers of of thirty two drivers uh, was was amazing to see, and it, and it had a lot to do with you know again the Great Lakes Pro Kart Challenge that began this season. Uh, their focus was around shifters. It's, yeah, it was. You know, we we already know where you already know. There's plenty of Swift rate competitors out there. There's plenty of X thirty competitors out there. They really wanted to focus on on growing that uh, shifter uh, categories here in the in the Midwest. Well, and all in all, when everybody arrived, as you said, David, uh, some great numbers on the weekend, 256 total, uh, beautiful weather. <laughs> like number one, we just, anytime you go to a race at Newcastle, especially when it's in the middle of uh, July or August, you got to expect high temps, you know, operate, maybe in the nineties, it's going to be high humidity. We were actually pretty solid. I think the one day Saturday, I don't know if Saturday just got over 80, I think it was 88 or 81. Uh, I got up to 85 on Sunday, but the humidity was kind of in the middle between 40 and 60 kind of thing. And we had some a, a good breeze, a little bit of wind for most of the weekend. So really almost perfect racing weather for what you can expect from Indiana in the middle of summer, right? Yeah, Sunday was a bit 
warmer than the other two days. I think there was less of a breeze. And as you said, I think the humidity uh, climbed up there a little bit. And as you said, we avoided, you know, typically in Indiana, we go to Newcastle, we expect to see some some type of storm throughout a, a race weekend, yeah. especially in a big race weekend. And and luckily, we were able to avoid that again. I think I think that the, the August date is, is pretty good uh, weather-wise, and we've been able to, to avoid uh, any type of weather situations where compared to, say, May weekend at Newcastle, it could be a little bit sketchy then. Interesting look at the numbers, as you said, a steady rise through the year for Micro Swift, started with nine at the Winter Nats, went to 13, up to 23 for the Summer Nats. Mini Swift pretty much leveled off, 34 to start, 32 in the middle, and then 36 to finish. Uh, pretty much the same for X30 Junior. We saw a good finish for X30 Senior. X30 Masters, eight for the first two races, 13 at the Summer Nats. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Pro 1 and Pro 2, obviously some uh, some growth near the end of the year. Uh, and the same thing with X30, uh, rather KA100 Senior, 13, 13, and 21. Of course, you know, Newcastle, more kind of the home of a lot of KA drivers in, in that, you know, let's say a anywhere between a one to an eight hours, uh, you know, race or what do you call it? Driving distance around the track. So bottom line is, is Newcastle is a pretty good place to take, have any kind of race. Cause people want to race there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of drivers within a, uh, they, you know, the driving distance to be there. And, and again, just a great place to, to kick off or rather wrap up the, uh, the pro tour each year. Yeah. It's, as you said, Charlotte's a 10 hour drive, I believe. So it's not far for that. Wisconsin, yep. Minnesota, you know, even if you look south, Texas isn't that far as well, too. So it's it's able to draw a, a centrally located facility for the eastern half of the country. Uh, and the West Coast guys love coming this way. They love uh, visiting Newcastle because it, it for one, it has grass. Um, that's that's <laughs> typically a good, good thing, uh, you know. And, and again, you know, Mike Adams and the entire and Mark Dismore and the entire crew that uh, that is Newcastle Motorsports Park, they uh, they welcome everybody with open arms. No doubt about that. All right, folks, we're underway. Episode number 54 of the EKN Debrief. Dave Cole and I talking about the finale of the Supercars USA Pro Tour, the 10th running of the Summer Nats at Newcastle Motorsports Park. Stick with us. When we come back after this break, we'll jump in to the Paddock Pass. In a sport where the difference between winning and losing is measured in hundreds of a second, you can't afford to leave anything on the table. You invest in the best equipment, the lightest components, and top-of-the-line data acquisition systems. Anything to find one more tenth, right? I'll tell you right now, the best investment you could ever make is in yourself. If you want to improve your results, it's time for professional instruction and coaching at the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy. Located at the new state-of-the-art speed sports racing park just north of Houston, the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy uses the very best equipment, Burrell Art Carts. They offer half-day, one-day, two-day, and three-day clinics. They have a one-on-one student-to-instructor ratio, and they will design a customized curriculum for each student. Allen Rudolph is one of the most respected people in the sport, and he has nearly 20 years' experience training drivers, including Chase Elliott, Neil Alberico, Austin Versteeg, and Saber Cook, and rising stars like Pietro Fittipaldi. Train with a champion with over 30 years of racing experience to get proven results. Start off your season with a driver tune-up. Tune-up your season with some driver coaching. Or get ready for the big races by training with the best. Reserve your dates now by calling 866-607-RACE. 
That's 866-607-7223. For more information, visit speedsportsracingpark.com slash racing hyphen academy. The shift is on to a new brand and a new way of thinking. The Croc promotion has taken American karting by storm and, simply put, we have the best kart on the market. We've won and continue to win national and regional races with a revolving door of drivers. Myers, Bedozo, French, Musgrave, and we're ready to dominate the rest of the 2019 season. We just want to win. That's it. Plain and simple. Our dynamic R&D program is more aggressive than any other manufacturer, and we're the only company focused on building the perfect chassis for American tracks, engines, and tires. Why race a cart made for Europeans? We're testing prototypes for American racing. We're breaking the mold. Crock Promotion is all about supporting dedicated and talented young drivers and winning races. That's Crock Promotion USA. That's Mad Old Nut Racing. We just want to win plain and simple. No BS. Let us spend our time and money developing the chassis so that you can win. You've heard and read about us. We're the Rawlson Performance Group. We race to win. After putting all eight of our X30 senior drivers in the main at last year's Scuzo Super Nationals, we're the tent you need to be under this November. We have just four spots available, so contact us today to lock in one of our final opportunities. We may be prepping for Las Vegas, but it's also time to talk about 2020. Joining the Rawlson Performance Group is the obvious choice to take your racing to the next level. Our industry-leading driver development is provided by our staff of multi-time national champions, Super Nationals winners, and former Team USA members. And at the same time, RPG continues to be a national-level powerhouse race team. Our goal is to help you raise your game and win races. In 2020, we'll be racing in the Scusa Winter Series, Pro Tour, and California Pro Car Challenge, as well as the IKF Northwest Region. If you want to fight for championships or want to improve your skills and your chances to win, the answer is to call RPG at 503-260-4514. We do have different levels of programs available for the ICAF Sprint Grand Nationals at Pat's Acres on the September 20, 2122 weekend. So if you want to get a head start on 2020, come up and join us and take your shot at winning a Duffy, one of the most prestigious trophies in the sport. We're the Rawlson Performance Group. We race to win. Welcome back to episode number 54 of the EKN Debrief. Rob Howden alongside David Cole. We are focusing on the Scusa Summer Nationals, final round of the 2019 Scusa Pro Tour. Into the Paddock Pass now, presented today by MG Tires. As a Brazilian company founded in 1989, MG Tires soon became one of the main cart tire manufacturers in the world. MG develops its products with the needs of all drivers in mind, from beginners to the most experienced, always focusing on quality and high performance. Cartsport North America is the importer and distributor of MG Tires, supplying and supporting the spec tire programs in such series as the United States Pro Card Series, Route 66 Sprint Series, and the Sunshine State Karting Challenge. For more information on MG Tires, contact Eric Jones at Cartsport North America. All right, DC, let's jump into the paddock pass. First and foremost, a lot of chatter coming into this event about Scusa changing the track layout. Uh, they decided to come up with the Super Mile 
It kind of used a bit of the oval in the back around the outside of the scale house and the tech barn. Uh, they were going to bring them straight back in. They decided to use the cell tower corner again. They added that technical uh, technical part of the racetrack back in a little later. But the bottom line was, that I know there were some mixed reviews. Lots of the people I talked to liked the new challenge. You? Yeah, it was it was kind of the similar feedback I received when talking with people. Um, obviously, adding the cell tower corner helped, uh, yeah. I think, in adding technical portion but then when you got through the ski jump you saw man that is it's pretty technical when you're out there uh watching watching the carts go flying over the hill and and into the tight section that's at the bottom there uh so that was a bit technical so i mean i i don't think they needed the self cell phone tower corner section they didn't need it but i think it added to uh more added a little bit more of a passing zone because if you came straight out of the ski jump the left-hander there wasn't really much of a of a passing zone as much as you see with the cell tower corner uh, being a great passing opportunity, especially in in the X thirty categories. You know, David, I think I think the cell the tower corner the way they used it provides really two good op- opportunities to pass right because you, you got the double kind of right-hander, so you can pass on the entrance to that uh, mid corner through that. Also, of course, into the what was I think turn. 10 hairpin in that layout just turned 10 that left-hand hairpin you're able to pass there as well i just we saw passes everywhere we saw passes going into the ski jump we saw it coming out of the ski jump area that that uh, kind of combination that five six seven combination all in all i thought it was uh it was a really good layout and and i think that it was exciting to watch yeah it's, it's just and, and great photos but and video it, it was, uh, the, and you said the double rights there are really the most technical part of that section because mm-hmm. every, most everybody can get through a hairpin, but it's, it's getting through those double rights and not losing speed. Uh, because if you do lose speed, then you're going to get passed through that uh, left-hand hairpin there. So it's, uh, again, it's, that's probably the most, te- when you look at the national layout itself, that is the most technical part of the track. Let's talk a little bit about the championship battles going into the weekend because, man, it's there were some really close fights. Uh, there was obviously guys knew what they needed to do, certain guys. The one that go- comes to mind with me because you were working your spreadsheet like crazy was KA100 Senior. We had four drivers, I think, leading the championship at one point on the racetrack during the main event just based on where they were running on the racetrack. Was- yeah, we had we had that we had that battle. We had battles in KA one hundred junior, mini swift, and then of of course, uh the biggest battle that we uh were really watching was what was going on with uh Pro Shifter uh, yeah. coming into the weekend. It was solid. I just I like the fact that, you, that a lot of them went to Championship Sunday. It's not that I want to hear like double points for Championship Sunday like they do with IndyCar or do with some other programs with the, with double points, but um yeah, I, I like the way the championship shook down. I, I like the fact that, you know, Dave, there were so many points up for grabs. You know, Kyle Wick ends up getting the championship in Pro 1, but he was, you know, he ended up getting the pole on Sunday, right? I, those te- All those bonus points, man, are so crucial. Yeah, qualifying is is very crucial. Uh, though now the way they've uh, adjusted the prefrontal points, giving a hundred points uh, to the winner and, and it trickling down all the way through 42nd. Um, I believe, let me look at it real quick. Oh, 40th, it gets five points. So it used to be only the top 10 got points where yeah. it was 50 points down to five points to 10th. And so now it's, you know, it's, it's provided a little bit more drama and provided more opportunities for, for drivers to take advantage of, of, of a better pre-final finish than, than others could. 
Um, and again, I think, you know, in other, I think most categories were uh, still open going in Sunday morning, aside from, from a handful, from four or five of them. So it, it, yeah, uh, it provided some great drama on Sunday. Uh, well, do you want to jump into a little bit of the, <laughs> the social media buzz? Uh, well, that's what I was getting at with the pro shifter one, uh, you know, kind of the, uh, you know, the championship battle, uh, because obviously with Andrew Budozo leading the championship, yep. it was, uh, you know, him leaving uh, Croc Promotion USA after uh, Spring Nats and moving over to Solo Kart USA. That was kind of the focal point going in on the weekend. And I was gone on the week. I was gone on vacation for the Great Lakes Pro Kart uh, challenge weekend. So I had no idea what had been going on all week long. Basically I get, I mean, I kind of kept up with things, what was going on social media, but I got there Friday and you're telling me all about, uh, what's going on with, uh, with Bedozo. <laughs> it was, it was, it was pretty interesting. Obviously, uh, you know, Bedozo was with solo carts. Uh, there was, we I found out through my sources that, uh, he had said she parted ways with, with the solo cart guys. I reached out to them. They confirmed indeed that was the case. Andrew's telling me that he still had a solo cart that he was potentially going to test on Thursday. Plus, he had another cart there. And, of course, through social media and finding out and talking to the drivers at Croc Promotion that that was a Croc chassis that he had. Not sure where he got it from, but he had a Croc chassis. He could have got it from somebody in Florida. It's a different color. Checkered Motorsports graphics on it, of course. He's running with his family team again for having left solo cart. And so the chassis was blue. They were calling it potentially the BTM. Uh, I, I was told coming in, it could be the CM chassis. It was just, it was, uh, it was very, there was a lot of intrigue. And uh, there was a lot of uh, play online, social media wise, Facebook wise, Instagram wise, uh, from the Croc promotion side that, that, that made things interesting for sure. Hey, you know what? We always talk about wanting to be like Supercross. Well, there's lots of drama in Supercross. We had lots of drama this past weekend. That's, I think that's the best way to well, put it. I think I think I mean we just call it as it is. I think Todd Ullman is is no seat no stranger to controversy at all. He wants to talk. He's talking the talk because right now they're walking the walk. They are mentality. Damn, they are. Uh, they came in there with three of the four victories. Uh, Andrew got two of them. Uh, AJ Myers had one of them, and they spent basically since the since the month of May until we got into the weekend with. Getting getting Billy Musgrave and getting Jake French, getting those two entwined together and just yep. on track nearly every single day of of the week, and just making sure that they were ready to go when when Summer Nats came. And I think, you know, you know, obviously Andrew and, and Todd have have different uh, visions and different uh, paths that they want to go, and and that didn't work out. And same along with probably with AJ Myers and and Todd as well too. Um, as as we talked about uh, right after Myers had his departure from from Croc Promotions, and, yep. and that kind of stirred up some things on social media as well too. So, um, you know, Todd has his his way of, of how he wants to do things, and and that's the way he's going to go and approach it. And you know, some people agree with it, some people don't, and I think the majority don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> judging by just what I was on social media and what people talked about, and. And and I think he still he still wants the best for for AJ Myers and Andrew Bodozo. But uh, when when your former driver shows up with a, a similar chassis that you've had, um, it's it makes things a little bit awkward. Well, it, it definitely fuels the fire, right? There was there was ammunition there for Todd to grab on social media, and he did. He was uh, 
Uh, he's a, a passionate guy in terms of trying to win. He's spending a lot of money to, do, to to go racing, and he's he's put a couple of the best drivers, shifter car drivers we've seen in the last couple of years, you know, come together. Jake and Jake French and, and Billy Musgrave have formed a good friendship, and it seems to me, and David, you and I have watched this for for many years, different drivers at teams. These guys feed off each other. There's no doubt about it. you know they that they sit down, they debrief with each other. You know, Billy was telling me, and Jake were telling me that when when Billy was out there running in the X30 that Jake could go try to watch some corners as well to see what he could see from the sidelines. And, and, you know, you, you simply can't discount what the Croc guys have done. Like you said, they won five of six races. French dominated the weekend, won both races in, uh, in pro shifter one. Billy was second in both races. They just, they flat dominated the weekend. It's just. Yeah. And, and, and the same goes along with CRG Nordam. They went and they got AJ Myers because he was available. Yep. Uh, you know, people could have, uh, you know, said the same thing that well crgs are going after only the the best guys you know why aren't they you know bringing in some other guys well if you want to win you go get the best guys and and so that's kind of you know what you need to do in racing it's not like you know formula one you know ferrari's going after some guy who just finished fifth in a f3 race you know they're they're getting the they're trying to get the best drivers to be in their cars and i you know that's what race teams are going to do uh, we, we've, I mean, even look at Rollison performance group, they, they grabbed the three-time champion at the beginning of the year because he was the best guy in X30, uh, to, to, to lead their, their team in that, in that category as well. So it's, you know, it's, it's funny and it's interesting to watch and it's interesting to see, uh, how people react to, uh, how things unfold, uh, <laughs> when you have this type of drama at the racetrack. Hey, you know what? We were able to sit back and kind of laugh at, at some of it and, and watch some of the, the, the fire getting fueled, but I thought was exciting. It was interesting. Uh, David, obviously some chatter, uh, within the paddock as well. Again, this is the paddock pass presented by MG tires today. Uh, talking about 2020, right? Everybody, I think we know we're probably coming back to Newcastle for the summer Nats. No, yes, that's con- confirmed. Yeah, that, so no confirmation yet on winter Nats or or spring nationals. And hearing some of the scuttlebutt, although no, no confirmations, the rumor going around that we're heading back to New Orleans potentially for the winter nationals. Yeah, that was that was a couple of rumors that we heard. Uh, again, no confirmation from Supercars USA as to where we are going for the winter nationals or spring Nats. Obviously they confirmed their dates for the 2020 season uh, about, you know, a few weeks before we headed to Newcastle. Uh, and, but great lakes pro carts pro cart challenge also uh, confirmed their 2020 dates uh, going four weekends uh, next year as well as they did this year. And that one of their dates just happens to be between before the winter Nats date. So you got to expect that they're going to be at the same facility the weekend prior uh, and people are, are speculating that it's going to be at NOLA, which I don't know. Great is great lakes down in Mississippi. <laughs> I'm not sure how, which, which great lake is all the way down there. That's for sure. Well, I don't know. <laughs> does something drain into the miss? Yeah. The Lake Michigan kind of drains in the Mississippi somehow. Right. I don't know. It's not my, it's not, it's not my job. I don't does have it? geography I so. lessons. I don't think it does. I think a great lake is a great lake. There you go. Yeah, goes that makes sense now. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, All right, we'll, let's, see, uh, we'll see what happens. I'm sure we'll have, uh, you know, probably something by September, maybe. Uh, for sure, probably before Super Nationals, maybe even October. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see something fall that fall, fall in September. That would not surprise me at all. Uh, Dave, let's, let's, uh, hit a couple more segments of the paddock pass. One of the things that we saw actually, but we didn't see it happen before we got there. Uh, and man, everywhere, every track we go to, we hear the, you know, the race officials and on the, I'm saying it on the PA 
stay off your motor, stay off your scooters, stay off your razors. You're not allowed to have any kind of vehicles, no bikes, no whatever in the paddock because there's a reason for it. I know parents like to let the like to let the razor babysit the kids so they're hauling hauling ass around the paddock. But hey, one of one of the top drivers in the country, top junior drivers, ends up getting in an accident on a razor and uh, a pretty serious hand injury, wrist injury to Luca Mars. Uh, hard to see that knowing that you just don't want the kids playing around on those things, but kids will be kids, I guess. Right. It's not the first it's, uh, it happened two weeks, two weeks before that at USPKS where they, they parked all those, uh, uh, razors and scooters, same at GoPro. We had an incident there. So I think, I almost think this has to be kind of a regulation, uh, that needs to be done everywhere. I think we just need to yep. get rid of scooters and razors and any 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 t- anything with wheels on it that isn't related to karting. I think we just need to get rid of. Um, unless again, unless you're a parent, you know, an 18 year old, uh, or you know, have a a, a condition that requires That's, you to be in a you yep. know either a, a scooter or something or a bike or or even a golf cart. I think uh, yep. it'll make things a lot easier. And again it takes away from the insurance risk because again, anything that happens while you're at the racetrack, it still scores against the sport of karting. Uh, so that that's not, you don't want the, all these insurance claims being accumulated over these, these scooters. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree. Uh, a little bit of star power in the paddock this weekend. Yeah, it was really cool to see. Uh, and I, again, <laughs> Until I saw all the pictures coming up on social media, I had no idea that there was a relationship between Brett Harrelson of Nash Motorsports and Woody Harrelson of, you know, TV and movies. Cheers, baby. Cheers was it. Again, White Men Can't Jump, one of my favorite Woody Harrelson movies of all time. Kingpin as well. That's probably number two. I I think you had another one. Um, Yeah, there's a bunch uh, of them as well. I can't think of the friends with benefits, I think is the one that you came up with. That's I think, I think that's one of them as well. I think one of the ones like uh 2010 or I don't know, there's one, there's one, there's one about the world ending. He's in that too, which is funny. I Who's also in the HBO show, I believe. Um, oh, I can't think of it. Uh, Let me just do it quick. He was, he was, uh, he was alongside Matthew McConaughey and they were like detectives or something. True detective. Really? Wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, there you go. I'm, listen, I'm just I'm popping up the IM. Anyways, I, I'll grab that. Woody Harrelson, his was was there. The fa- the whole family was there, which I thought was super cool. The family was there. They, uh, uh, Brett's mom was there as well. Uh, it was cool. I thought it was uh, I thought it was awesome to see um, to see him there. And he was there both Saturday and Sunday Hanging too. Because I could, we kept seeing yep. all these photos coming up on Saturday. I'm like, ah oh, man, we missed it. We missed our chance to see Woody. And then we we saw more pictures coming up on Sunday with different outfits. I'm like, oh, he must be here again. This is awesome. I can't believe he didn't come and say hi to us, right? Well, you know, we're not quite, you know, a a list celebrities yet. So listen, listen so here, here's he was in Solo, a Star Wars story. I don't remember being in that, but he was. Oh yeah, no, he was good in that. Yeah, I remember that. He said he was Beckett. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, I get that. Yeah. Uh, let me scroll back down here. What else? Lost in London. A uh, little Saturday Night Live act, True Detective, like you True said. True Detective, he the, yeah. He was in the Hunger Games. Yeah, I haven't watched any of those. I he's, he's t- friends with benefits. 2012, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, he was in Zombieland, too. Remember, he's in Zombieland. That's pretty funny. Yeah, never saw that again, too. He was in Semi-Pro. <laughs> you've, seen, you have, you've had to see Semi-Pro, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. No Country for Old Men. My God, look at that. Like, you just got to keep scrolling down. 
Oh, just oh, I think well, it's the late late eighties when he started, right? Austin, With Cheers. He was in Austin so, Powers as himself. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, you know it, it was it, the bottom line was it was a cool deal for for Brett to have the family there. I think Brett's mom was there as well. They, uh, I think they grew up. Some it, Brett told me they grew up in Ohio or something to that extent. Yep. So yeah, they were all, they all came out. It wasn't just like I'm here for a half an hour. It was I'm going to come and hang out, watch for yeah. Yeah, I think it had to be like just outside Cincinnati or something like that, like Lebanon or something. Well, the like bottom that. line, yeah, I think it was. I think he said Lebanon, Lebanon, Ohio. Bottom line is, is that they were there all weekend. Lots of people taking pictures, and uh, good for Brett. He was bad fast because uh, we'll talk more about that in the race report. But Brett um, has really improved his racecraft and his speed. And he was in the interview he and I did uh, on the podium. He was brutally honest with that, with the fact that he figured that that you know. A year ago, year and a half ago, people wanted him out of the sport, and he's worked hard with Nash, Seth Nash, and they've really worked on his racecraft. And he's fast, like he was fast. Yeah, he he's kind of been like a Billy Musgrave, and where he's been on on the racetrack every yep. week and just working hard at it. And and as you said, you know, he he has a very different and and rambunctious character so he's kind of he is kind of all over the place when he's outside the cart and then you get him in the cart and he you can see the hands and gesturing and all. he's just he's just amped up and ready to go every time he gets in you know you're a father cole when you just pull up the word rambunctious rambunctious yeah. it's a great word it is and every parent it's a big, you, word. It's a, it's a big word for you <laughs> Uh, to wrap up a paddock pass, one of the cool things that we had we had some fun with this past weekend was a new column that we had on eCarding News for the weekend called Carter X, the Unknown Pro. Essentially, we had a pro driver who was competing on the weekend, didn't tell anybody who the driver was so that he or she could just uh, essentially write about what they wanted to write about, talk about, you know, whatever. But the kind of concept was to have some anonymity. And I think a lot of people really enjoyed that. We're going to do more of it. Uh, we had a number of people say, hey, if I can guess who it is, will you tell me? We said yes. I wouldn't have told them anyways, but they were all wrong. Right, Dave? Nobody got it right. Yeah, nobody nobody came up to me with with yeah. the right gas. I I never said I would tell anybody. I I was keeping a, a complete secret, but I still took, you know, I still listened to anybody guess and it, nobody came up with the proper one. Nobody even online guessed nope. the correct driver. Uh so it was it was a bit interesting. It's something that we we definitely want to work on a little bit more. Um, because again, it was the first article, and again, a lot of these drivers do not have the experience, yeah. or not necessarily drivers or industry members mm-hmm. or mechanics. Not a lot of people have experience writing, so um, you know some might have some caution to do it. But um, I think it's something that we can play around a little bit with, and and kind of open the eyes of 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 viewers and and people who go to these events and and people who promote these events and kind of see what it is that that certain people are seeing yeah. that they might not see. It was cool. Uh, and to be honest, I edited it. It was pretty good. This this weekend's Carter X did a great job. I'll be honest. All right, folks, that's going to cap off our paddock pass for this particular edition of the EKN debrief. We get back from this break. It's time to start talking about the racing. We're going to come back with the race report here on the EKN Radio Network. For over 60 years, the International Kart Federation has been at the core of the foundation of American karting. Founded in 1957, the IKF was karting's first organization and sanctioning body. Fast forward to 2019, and the IKF is back on the scene with new branding, new enthusiasm, and a new focus on the IME KA100 and Briggs 206 categories. These engine platforms represent the core of the sport. Fast, fun, 
and affordable family motorsport. That's the IKF. This year's IKF Sprint Grand Nationals are set for the September 20-22 weekend at the beautiful Pat's Acres Racing Complex in Canby, Oregon. It's the first time in over 30 years that the IKF Sprint Grand Nationals will be hosted by Pat's Acres, and the battle for the legendary Duffy Trophy will be fierce. Say what you will about the sport, the Duffy is still one of the most coveted trophies, and we expect nothing less than amazing and competitive racing at the park. This year's IKF Sprint Grand Nationals will feature Briggs 206 Cadet, Junior, Senior, and Masters, KA100 Junior and Senior, Tag Light and Heavy, and both World Formula Masters and Kid Kart. For more information, follow the IKF on Facebook and Instagram and bookmark ikfkarting.com. And to enter the event, head to motorsportsreg.com. Top quality material, all presented in fluorescent yellow. You've seen it, and now you need to choose the flow. Since 2005, J3 Competition has been capturing major victories and championships both on and off the track, redefining the industry with each move. The company took its unparalleled knowledge and rolled it into their own chassis line in 2015, the Comp Cart. The CIK FIA homologated brand has been winning races ever since. There are three Comp Cart models to choose from. The Covert 3.0 R19 is the latest design for tag and shifter competition. The Covert 4R serves several popular categories, including 100cc and Briggs 206 racing. The Ranger 28 model is designed for cadet racing and will be the official chassis of the Minimax division at the 2019 Rotax Challenge Grand Finals in Sarno, Italy. And lastly, new carters can get right into the comp cart product from the beginning, running the micro cart in the kid cart division. Visit j3competition.com for more on the fastest growing chassis line in the world. Do it now. Choose the flow. You probably know Nitro Kart for making a class-leading cadet chassis, the kart that swept the 2018 Scusa Supernats cadet divisions and has won scores of races and championships all over the country. But did you know that Nitro Kart offers a full range of carts, including a kid kart and a brand new full-size chassis? Now racers of all ages can enjoy the Nitro Kart advantage of premium components, superior performance, and a wide range of tunable handling. All 2019 Nitro Karts are in stock now, so call Nick Tucker at 704-818-7868 and order yours today. Hi, I'm Ashley Harrow, a multi-time international champion, but most kids know me as coach. Under the tent, we aren't just friends. Everyone grows to become family. It all breaks down to two simple choices. You can either spend your time winning with us or spend your time trying to beat us. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, episode number 54 of the EKN Debrief. My name is Rob Howden, joined by David Cole, and we're talking about the Scusa Summer Nationals, the final round of the 2019 Pro Tour. Jumping now into the race report presented today by Trinity Karting Group. The Trinity Karting Group is your first step on the ladder to racing success. Based at the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati, they literally have a track in their backyard and a controlled environment to develop your skills. 
Trinity Carding Group flattens out the steep learning curve with a professional staff that will put you on the right path. The focus is driver development, and they compete at the local, regional, and national levels. They have new and used packages available, and they are your Midwest source for Tony Carts and OTK parts, as well as IAMI engines. Visit them at teamtkg.com or call 513-421-4463. Again, Trinity Carding Group, the presenting sponsor of our race report here today. Uh, Dave, let's just jump right on into the pro shifter category, uh, really out of the box. Jake French said, I'm ready to go. We got this crack promotion rolling, puts it on the pole on Saturday morning, and, and really didn't let up that much all the way through to the end. No, not so much, especially on Saturday where he just dominated the the round of racing, uh, set fast lap, set track record, I guess is what you can say because we've, ne- we've never been on this racetrack, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, set the track record in qualifying with a 111.438 lap time and literally led from uh, green to checkered both in the prefinal final uh, for his first victory since 2007 on the Pro Tour or 2017 on the Pro Tour. Uh, so yeah, pre-final win victory, uh, a crock, a crock one, two, and maybe more importantly, overall pretty solid run for Kyle Wick in national number two for the CRG getting that third spot on the podium, Dave. Yeah. The third spot established himself yeah. as a championship leader heading into Sunday, uh, jumping, uh, Bedozo. Uh, all three though, were still right there because they were, their results were very similar to each other, but Wick had the edge. So he had the most points going into, uh, to Sunday's weekend or Sunday's round of racing and really stepped up right away with qualifying. Uh, that's it. You know, you come back on Sunday and there's all these permutations of what you can do where everybody else finishes and anybody will tell you, any driver will tell you, I'm just going to try to win the race, win every session and let the championship fall where it is. Cause then it's not in my hands anymore. I've done everything I could. Uh, Wick comes out of the box. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, like what it was late in the run, wasn't it? Didn't he drop the hammer like super late in the in the seven minute session? Because, well, again, because the seven minute session and a, right. <laughs> one eleven lap time, that. it's right. you get basically two or three laps uh, at the most. And and the shifter guys sometimes take that first two laps as warm ups and then lay down their laps. So, uh, yeah, Wick, I think Wick was one of the late ones to uh, to set a fast time. And then he and Musgrave really challenged uh, for the win in the in the prefinal with Musgrave coming away with a victory. Jake French was kind of sitting there third and fourth uh, with, uh, you know, again, Wick basically just finished ahead of his championship rivals, both Myers and Budozo, in all three sessions of the day to really clinch that championship. Yeah, let me, because we'll talk a bit more about qualifying and all the categories, that was one of the interesting things because where the, essentially where the drivers left the, left the grid, they, they roll out past turn three. They do the entire, whatever, almost a mile, probably, about, probably a full mile at that point, all the way back around just to start the, the clock. Then they're all the way back around again, not, you know, sometimes warming their tires up. They, like it, We weren't even calling out fast lap times until like four and a half minutes into the seven-minute session, right? And Well, the, cl- the clock starts yeah, when but they I leave. Don't understand, but th- so that's, yes, that's part of it. Yeah, yeah, of course it does. Yeah, it's, it's, the clock starts when they leave, so you're a minute before they even come around. So, so their first lap that is recorded is three minutes that's, into the seven minute it, session. And, and that was one of the interesting things we saw with the shifter card categories was the guys not putting many laps in once they, you know, they realized that it was like two laps, right? I know Musser did one extra in, in the G G one class. And I, I want to say it might've been just, I think Musgrave did a couple extra. I think he went for the, almost the full session 
uh, on Sunday in qualifying. Most of the guys, guys like Wick and like uh, like French, just two laps, right? Get out, get the tires warmed up, boom, boom, two, three laps max, and park it. That's what we saw. From yeah, and then that's typically what they do no matter where, where we're at with uh, with the racetrack, whether it be a 45-second track or, or a minute 11 second track uh the shifter guys typically like to save the tires and and just try and pound a, a quick lap or two to to get a fast time so uh, as Deb, david says wick on the pole musgrave wins the pre-final french starts fourth in the the race and and just kind of settles in and then just starts metho- methodically working his way forward gets himself to the lead and ends up with his second win of the weekend just a really dominant and impressive performance by jake french uh, Musgrave finishes second again, and we'll talk more about what he was able to do, which is pretty impressive. Uh, Wick ends up in third, and by finishing ahead of uh, his teammate, A.J. Myers, Wick ends up with the championship, national number two last year. He'll wear the national number one at the Super Nationals this November. Myers ends up in the second spot, and Andrew Bedozo rounding out the top three. Uh, interesting, David, that uh, uh, Wick wins the championship, and didn't win a race. Yes, that was uh, one of the stats I looked at right away was uh, when we were talking about, uh, I believe we talked about it on our video debrief uh, Sunday night. Yep. And I don't think that's something that's happened in the pro shifter category, in the headline shifter uh, division uh, in the 10 years of the pro tour. So yep. it's something uh, I still haven't been able to look at, but when we do kind of a championship profile, we'll, we'll definitely uh, dive into that a little bit more. So on the racetrack at the same time as Pro Shifter 1 was the Pro Shifter 2 category, as we had said, talking about the numbers, 32 in total on track. At one point last year, Scuza was looking to have just a Pro Shifter category. They weren't going to have the 1 and 2. A lot of the feedback coming from teams saying, hey, let's let's we really want to have that semi-pro class for some of our drivers. Uh, they want to run semi-pro and then move to pro, so they stuck with it. Bottom line is 32 drivers on track at the same time. Uh, I thought overall... Uh, a pretty solid weekend, David, in terms for Pro 2. Some drivers really stepped up and impressed us. Uh, Race Liberante, we knew out of the box on the Winter Nationals, probably had, we knew he had the speed to go to, to win the championship. And he's going to be probably a, a title contender uh, when he goes Pro 1 racing next year. Uh, we had Calvin Ming come in as well, former driver from the road to Indy. He's taking some time off the road to Indy where he's, he's in his studies. We saw a couple of young kids step up as well. But Calvin Ming, out of the box, right? Qualifies on pole, wins the pre-final. Pretty impressive for him. Yeah, Race Liberante had a bit of an issue in qualifying, and then in the pre-final came up, uh, I think after the lap two or three, came up uh, limp and off off the racetrack with a mechanical issue. Yeah. But uh, Ming really shined uh, in both qualifying and the pre-final, ran away from the field uh, in in the pre-final especially, and then once the, when, the, when the main event started, had a pretty good sizable lead, but race Liberani was on the charge. Yeah. He was able to race, ch- chase him down coming from deep in the field, essentially dead last in the category. Uh, Cause we did have the splits. They did a full split start. They started the, they actually gridded the pro ones and sent them while they were kind of still gridding the pro twos, which so because the track was so long, the gap was massive. Uh, Liberante able to, to, to work his way back through the, the order and uh, was able to slide by on the final lap. I think Calvin was in a position to potentially get it back, but got balked by a, a slower cart. Uh, not much you could do there. He ends up with a strong second place run, and and to, to worth saying, running with Musgrave Racing Company, 
on a crock promotion. So, so throw another crock promotion cart in the in, on the podium, and then Dalton Egger having a pretty good run uh, for in the Cosmic, finishing in the third spot. Dave, yeah, his first Pro Tour race, and I believe I want to say two years. Yeah, uh, Dalton's been working with Scusa uh, as a as a uh, track guy or mechanic when they have the uh, rentals at Streets of Lancaster. He's just kind of been a, 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 a guy of all traits. Uh, when it comes to uh, working with Scusa, I believe video stuff as well, too. Yeah, it was just video. Right. as well. So uh, Dalton got back behind the wheel and uh, pulled off a, a really solid third-place performance. So Sunday, uh, a lot a lot more of a Liberante kind of day. You know, what we kind of saw at the start of the year. A race Liberante. Uh, you know, he's got uh, he's working with the guys from J3 Competition. He's got support from Frank Baldozer uh, and giving him the opportunity to do this. And, and race, really, Dave, dominated the day. Uh, able to go, you know, P1 in qualifying, wins the pre-final, gets a smoke and hole shot to be able to pull away in uh, in the main event to get the victory and, of course, the championship. Uh, for me, uh, in the race on Sunday, man, it was the the guy to watch was Connor Robles on the on the on the uh, the Illuminos driver out of Temecula, California. Young guy has only been racing for a couple of years, and and man, he was staying with Liberante for half that race. I was impressed. Yeah, we went. Yeah, we went in thinking uh, Calvin was going to be yep. a great challenger for for race throughout the throughout the day, and it ended up being uh, Connor who put on put on the heat, especially at the beginning of the main event. Kept on his bumper for at least the first half of the yeah, race, so. but uh, Liberante was able to pull away uh, to a pretty sizable lead, but still a great uh, a second podium finish on the year for for Robles uh, and attrition. Kind of helped uh, Baylor Griffin move up into third spot. We saw. He would drop out. We saw Joe Roke. We saw uh, a number of other Craig Alvarez, uh, Ager. They all had some issues th- throughout the race. So that, <clears throat> excuse me, allowed uh, Baylor Griffin to uh, to move up to third in his CRG. Off the top of my head, did I can't remember. I think I talked to to uh, to Ming afterwards. Did he say he had an issue? I can't. I, for some reason, I can't remember off the top of my head if he had a, if he had a had a technical or. You remember off the top of your head, Dave? Or am I asking? Uh, well, he didn't. Uh, Am I asking too much? He finished. He just fell behind. He actually fell to fifth. Uh, just didn't quite have the pace okay, um, go, that yeah. uh, that he had okay. on Sunday. Uh, his fast five. lap was uh, a thirteen five, where Race Liberante was a twelve nine. So uh, his pace uh, just on sat on Sunday was just not the same as it was on on Saturday. So race Liberante does come away with the championship. Uh, he won't use that national number one. I think he'll be moving to the pro one category. Max Hewitt ends up second overall. Max really, really wasn't a, a factor in terms of, uh, of running for the race win on the weekend. He was right there in the top three, top five, but not able to come away with a podium on the weekend. Uh, and Calvin Ming uh, capped off his program third overall. Pretty good run uh, from start to finish on the pro tour for Calvin Ming. So that's pro one and pro two in the shifter card categories. David, the uh, what 51 or 52 drivers in X30 senior. It just, you could just scroll down the results and look at guys that have won, you know, national races, regional races, champions. Like it was just a who's who X30 senior just packed. It was amazing. It was, it was 51 when it, when it, uh, when we came in on Sunday, because we had Christian Brooks actually, uh, make the trip right. over from mid Ohio right. 
uh, to to race on Sunday's events because he was racing the F4 car over there at Mid Ohio on the weekend. Yeah. Their program ended Saturday. He was about ready to head on a flight back home to California, but decided to make the uh, the couple hour trip over to Newcastle and uh, to compete in in his fifth round, which could have helped him in the championship, but didn't quite uh, probably have the performance he wanted to, having only driven the track that day. <laughs> Uh, coming into the weekend with uh, Christian not being there, did you did you have any doubt that that Ryan Norman was gonna, Ryan Norberg rather was going to be able to step up and win this championship? Well, with the amount of drivers that were in the field, there was always the opportunity. Yeah. And, and Brandon Jarzakrak came into the points second, too. and his record at Newcastle was phenomenal. And so you knew he was going to be at the front of the field all weekend long. And again, it just you know it boils down to being able to stay out of trouble and be quick. And Ryan Norberg did that throughout the weekend, uh, especially on Saturday as he was able to score both the pre-final and final victory. Yeah. Trey Brown qualifying on the pole position for Nash Motorsports. Norberg steps to the forefront of the pre-final to win. He ends up taking the win in the, in the, uh, the main event as well, which essentially clinched the championship for him. Third straight victory, having swept the weekend in Utah, Billy Musgrave, David coming home in the second spot, Samuel Lupian, his first race of the year, national number two last year, first pro tour race of the year for Lupian coming back with Rawls and performance group. Uh, let's Norberg did, did get shuffled back to fifth early. Musgrave led for a lot of that race, but he, you know, Norberg worked his way back to P one, but let's talk a little bit about, uh, about the performance of, of Billy Musgrave double do just doing double duty is one thing running both pro one and the X 30 senior class, two top level categories. That's going to, it's a lot to ask out of a driver, but then he ends up with a couple of second place finishes. And we talked about guys doing things that we've never seen before. I think it's the first time we've ever, we've ever had anybody on the podium in the single day on the pro tour in both pro pro categories. Yeah. Billy's been the guy that's done doing the double duty. We've seen uh, some others do it. AJ Myers, I believe did it with TB cart when he was uh, yep. winning uh, S one, but just wasn't quite there to win. Might've been on the podium in, in X 30 senior class, but I don't recall it. So Right now, as as we as it stands, we're going to go with Musgrave being the first to do it to be able to podium both in in S in the Pro Shifter and X Thirty Senior in the same day. Uh, just you know, we talked to him after the race, and they just threw everything they could at the uh, at the X Thirty cart, and it, it ended up working. And as you said, led a good portion of the main event, but just Norbert was a little bit stronger uh, in the long run and was able to pull away. Let's talk about Sunday now because I, I like the way things played around. We were pretty sure that Norberg, I mean, you were telling me Norberg really had it already locked in to a certain extent. Brandon Jarskrack ends up putting the Mike Doty racing machine on the pole position. Norberg comes back in the pre-final. But <laughs> I'll let you give your take first and foremost on that race because the race was great, battling back and forth, number of different leaders. But that last lap was ridiculous. It was crazy. It was, yeah, it was a bit, uh, a bit crazy. Not, not as crazy as we saw in other categories, but uh, just a sh- kind of shock to see it happen in X30 Senior, uh, especially with Norberg, because uh, Bertignoli, Alex Bertignoli of Kart Sport North America was right up there on his Kart Republic, led, led for a number of laps, and it looked like it was just going to be between him and Norberg. Uh, Norberg got around him, coming to the white flag, and then Norberg went defensive mode, which is something we'd not really had ever no. seen him do. And Full so defense that, mode. <laughs> so that allowed Jarzakrak to close in. And then when Jarzakrak started mixing it in with those two, the group behind him, them started coming in. And I believe it was like a three second pace slower that last lap for those front 
three drivers than yeah. than they had run all race long. So all of a sudden they come around come around I seventy corner and there's seven to eight carts there going three wide uh, as they came to the checkered flag. Can you imagine being back there in like fifth or sixth and seeing that all happen? You know, you figured you're going to hold you your want. spot. Of course, it's what you want, but it's what you've been seeing dreaming it actually. For. <laughs> but it wasn't like it was an incident. It was just the defensive line of, you know, Bert Tignoli couldn't get by. Norberg's running the inside line. And you can stack people up at this track, right? Especially going into 14, the scoreboard corner. Everybody just stacks up on the inside. You're trying not to hammer the guy in front of you. You're trying not to activate your pushback bumper. And same thing goes when you get up the top of the hill at, at I-70. It just, it was crazy. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit crazy. And, and just the way it unfolded with, with jars of crack being able to go from third on that lap to, to first and, and cross the line just ahead of Norberg and Greenemeyer was, was pretty exciting and, and added his third, this is his third straight victory at the summer national. So he's won at, we, at least once, uh, in the last three years at Newcastle for the Summer yeah, Nats. That's awesome. Uh, Hannah Greenmeyer came across the line in third spot. She had made contact earlier in the race with Billy Musgrave and ended up getting a penalty on that, dropped her down. That moves Samuel Lupian back up to the uh, the, po- the podium again. So a couple of third-place finishes for Samuel Lupian. One of the other drivers we were watching, Dave, of course, we're watching the championship battle up front, but we were watching Brandon Lemke come from the tail of the field. Uh, dead last, I believe, up to ninth. 42-spot gain for Brandon Lemke. That was... Uh, absolutely stellar yeah he's had some practice at that um in the last few months with his uh stock car schedule disrupting his his friday practice and getting to events late he came into uh to newcastle two weeks ago for the usbks race landed saturday morning so missed qualifying and had to start in the back of that 30 cart field and so he he got some great experience coming from the back that weekend and i, I really do think this helped him and being a longer track and 16 laps, he's able to get more spots with yep. more more carts in front of him, right? Yeah, another another driver coming up impressively. We did I didn't get a chance to talk about it too much, only because I think we were focused on Lemke. Uh, that was Jake Drew. Jake uh, started at the tail of the field as well, and 50th spot ended up coming up to 18th. Good run for Jake Drew as well. Uh, in the end, though, it's a fourth straight championship, four consecutive championships for Ryan Norberg. Uh, this one, of course, coming with Rawlison Performance Group. Uh, unprecedented uh, performance. You know, you get to win the first one. I think going back-to-back was crazy. Then you win the third, and we're all blown away that you won three in a row, and now he's won four, uh, four straight championships. It's just, David, considering this particular level of competition, that's, to me, just, uh, I don't, that's unheard of. It's amazing. It's very unheard of, something we haven't seen on the world calendar i don't believe i don't think we've had a, a world champion four times in a row uh but you know not even here in the united states we've seen a driver win four grand nationals or or championships yep. in a row so it's uh unprecedented and impressive at the same time and it and again there's opportunity for more because we know norberg's hungry he wants to win and wants to keep competing Brandon Jarscrack ends up P2, second in the championship, Trey Brown in third. All right, Dave, let's go into the G1, G2 category again. The Essentially, the gold one, gladiator one, whatever we're going to call it. Scusa uses gladiator. It's the master 175, the supermaster 175, G1 and G2. We can go through this one pretty quickly because there was four drivers in G1 and I believe five drivers in the G2 category. 
Uh, Jordan really was a, a rekindling of the Jordan Musser versus Ryan Kinnear battle we've seen over the last number of years in S4 as Ryan coming back to run with Phil Giebler racing on a Ricardo. Didn't seem to really miss a beat, the two of those drivers going at it, as we've seen uh, throughout the last many years. No, and it was only Ryan's second race of the year, oh. his first in the IME 175. So very impressive to see him just jump right back in and, and be right there with Musser, who's really been racing all season long, beginning back to the winter series. So uh, to be able to keep pace with Musser was really impressive. To give you just a little bit of a, a context from what we're going to be talking about here with the G1s, uh, the, one of the big passing opportunities, of course, with a shifter is coming down the long straightaway pass, start finishing to turn one, get deep on the brakes, you go on the inside. And the key is being able to get to the inside and not having the driver either stay on the outside or make the over under and beat you over to turn number two. Well, that got pretty interesting because uh, Muster qualifies on pole, wins the pre-file, ends up winning the main event uh, to keep his streak alive. He swept the the winter series uh, he won the first five races on the Pro Tour, was not un, was not beaten until Sunday. So he was a couple times in and out. Him, He and Kinnear, Musser would come through the corner and immediately come back to the left, essentially, to, to get that defensive move to the inside of two and hold the spot. That's, that's okay, unless somebody's there. On Saturday, Musser with the win, Kinnear second, Crow in third. Musser locks up his fourth Scusa Pro Tour champion, so both he and... Norberg, four-time champions, although not in a row for Musser. Sunday, things are a little bit different, David. It seemed like Kinnear maybe getting a little more comfortable. He qualifies pole, wins the pre-final. That defensive stuff happening over, though, in turn number one got a little more interesting, did it not? Well, it got more interesting because Musser actually fell back to third at the start as John Crow was able to get off the line a little bit quicker, uh, dropping Musser back down to third. And with Kinnear out front, and Musser was kind of in a little bit of a panic mode, you might say, to to try and get that sixth straight victory. So he was really forcing and trying to get around Crow. Uh, that one of those moves happened in turn one, and Crow was right there, and and Musser still moved over, and basically Crow had to back out of it before running over or going into the grass or getting run over by Musser or going in the grass. So yep. it was a uh, it was a interesting move, but. Uh, Musser was then able to run down Kinnear, and then the two basically kind of did the same, except this time with a lot more contact and a lot more tire smoke and and uh, and side pods getting smashed in. Uh, and Kinnear was still able to hold off Musser and, and cross the line first, but then the officials got in on it. So Kinnear got a penalty for the contact with Musser, and Musser gets a penalty for the contact with Crow. They both dropped down. That moves John Crow to P1. So John Crow ends up with the win. Another victory for Croc promotion. Kinnear ends up second. Musser in third. Uh, it's a, a, a climactic end to the G2 championship on the year, I think, David. I think what it's going to do is it's going to give us a, a great incentive going into uh, Supernats because, yeah. you know, both guys are going to be there. And, and, and that's still a race that Musser has not been able to win. And so it, and Kinnear, I believe Kinnear won. I can't think off the top of my head, but that spreadsheet up, boy. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to now. Uh, but yeah, so and then you add in all the other guys that are going to probably be coming back in, like a, probably like a Rob Logan who won last year, and yep. and all these other uh, top Masters drivers internationally as well too. So uh, could get a pretty interesting come uh, Vegas. Uh, in the points, as we said, Musser ends up winning that championship. Five wins of the six races. John Crow slots in second. Justin Peck. 
from Rawlson Performance Group finishing in third. He'll run that national number three plate for G1 in 2020. In the G- yeah, Kinnear won in 17. There you go. David Cole, drop it. <laughs> wow. You came in hot. So again, you came in hot. Something, Musser, came in hot. something Musser hasn't done yet. Oh. So that's going to be something we'll be talking about until, until we get to November. So the G2 category, making its essentially debut on the Pro Tour, that these drivers started the season off in the S4 class. They all elected to get the 175. So it's kind of a G2 S4 point deal. Uh, essentially, uh, Brett Harrelson, Ken Schilling, Gunnar Vandersteer, first, second, and third on Saturday. Harrelson comes back again, unbelievably quick. He finishes with two race wins. Uh, Gunnar Vanderster comes home at second, and Miguel Garcia rounding out the three drivers on the podium on Sunday. What about X30 Masters, David? What a pretty solid performance overall by Matt Johnson. A number of drivers stepped up to battle. You know, Carlos Calderon was quick out of the gate, but couldn't keep it up during the race weekend. It was was more than it was. Uh, it was uh, Renato Jader who was really in the fight. It was, and, and we thought it was going to be a bit more of a championship battle too, but we had Derek Wang uh, not show up yep. because of a, a rib injury and Jess Peterson not compete as well too. So they were second and third in the points. So essentially gave Matt Johnson kind of an, an open door to just kind of focus on, on getting race wins. And, and that's what he did. But uh, he had uh, Super Nationals winner Renato Jarder David uh, battling with him uh, throughout the day and throughout the weekend as well. Uh, Jonathan Silva came out of the box pretty strongly as well. As you said, uh, both Johnson and uh, Renato Jader David. Uh, I think it's just Renato David. I got I talked to Fabio and he said, I think it's just Renato David. That'll make it easier for us. Um, Johnson though, with the win, David uh, on Saturday, uh, David second, Jonathan Silva coming up to third. Uh, overall, I just thought that Johnson came in with a lot of momentum. And I just think that, that he's, he's got, he's had a lot of seat time this year and it's paying off. I think. Well, he's had a lot of seat time. He's at helping uh, Brett Harrelson yep. uh, driver coach. So yeah, he's been in, he's been in the seat a lot and he, he wants to get these accomplishments accomplishments uh, in his bag. He's, he's done a lot in IKF racing. Uh, he's done stuff in, in pro cart challenge as well too, but it's the pro tour that he, he didn't, doesn't have any accolades for. And when he came into the Masters category, he he thought he was going to be able to to, to come in guns a blaze and be able to grab him real quick. But he found out uh, he's got to put put the work in, and that's what he's done, uh, especially this season, uh, getting now four straight race victories in a row. Yeah, uh, and definitely is going to be among the favorites, and was as he was last year going into uh, the Super Nationals. So Matt Johnson will have the national number one plate. He wins the championship, qualifies on pole on Sunday. Uh, David stepped up in the pre-final to score that win. Johnson came back again as the top two pull away. Matt Johnson with the win. David in second for Oshelon Racing. Johnson, of course, with Nash Motorsports. Vache Tatikian with Phil Giebler Racing had his best run of the weekend. Uh, he jumps up into this third spot. And with that, of course, knowing that Derek Wang not being there, Jess Peterson not being there, Overall in the championship, Johnson P1 with the national number one plate, Tatika national two, and Derek Wang national three. Uh, David, we would be remiss if we did not uh, talk a little bit about Billy Lewis, local driver who showed good speed but got caught up in a couple incidents early. Started 14th at the tail of the field on uh, on Sunday in the, in the last main event and really raced his way impressively up to the fifth spot. Uh, he was just absolutely flying, great passes, decisive overtakes as soon as he got to the driver in front of him. I thought Billy did an awesome job on Sunday. 
Yeah, he did a great job. I kind of just got in the wrong place at the wrong time throughout the weekend. Uh, same thing happened on, in, in Saturday's final, I believe, as well. So, um, But it was great to end the, the weekend strong with a good fifth-place performance coming from the back. Uh, and then in the championship, Wang ended up finishing third, as you said, yeah. I believe. Uh, seven points back was Jonathan Silva. So he had that great podium finish on Saturday, just didn't – just, again, ran into trouble on Saturday – wasn't able to produce the points he needed. Otherwise, he, uh, he'd he be carrying the number three plate. Uh, X30 Supermaster running with the Masters categories. Five drivers on Saturday. John Banana, really the class of the field. Qualified on pole. Uh, won the pre-final, but an issue in uh, – he got DQ'd, actually, for an, an exhaust piece. I saw a picture of it, but he essentially dominated the day, John Bonanno did. DQ'd for an issue on the exhaust, the flex on the exhaust. That uh, gives Kim Carapaletti the race win. Scott Carapaletti in second and moves John Persing up into third. Carapaletti's and Bonanno then move to the master category on Sunday. That leaves just Persing and uh, and Martin to run, uh, Steve Martin to run in ma- Supermaster on Saturday, on Sunday rather. Steve Martin qualifies on the pole. Persing wins the pre-final. Persing actually, I think it was a last lap pass, David. Am I not mistaken to get by Martin for the race win? Yeah, they kind of hung around each other yeah. throughout the throughout the main event. Uh, uh, Persing had already wrapped up the championship on on Sunday or Saturday with his third place. Uh, so he, I think, they were just kind of you know uh, putting in the time and, and having a good little dice back and forth. And uh, Persing was was in the right spot at the right time to grab that. Uh, I believe his second victory on the season. So in the points for the Supermasters category ends up being uh, Persing, uh, Martin, and DJ Ortiz in the third spot and a good run for Bonanno moving up to masters yeah. on Sunday. Cause he, he was the fourth place finisher. He was the guy yep. uh, Billy Lewis was chasing there at the end. I agree. And he was out of the box strong. It was very impressive. Uh, well, we got five more categories still to come after this break. We'll do X 30 junior K 100 junior and senior and both mini and micro swift. Stay with us. We're going to wrap up the race report from uh, the Scusa summer nationals after this break. If you want to drive the best, drive a CRG. Our countless race wins and championships prove this fact, including taking the KZ Finals at the Scusa Super Nationals and the CIK World Championships in both 2016 and 2017. Our material is second to none. After years of independent American importers, CRG is now managed directly by the factory and run out of our state-of-the-art headquarters in Texas. CRG Nordam is the American arm of the CRG factory in Italy, and we're serious about success. We stock a wide variety of parts and all of our chassis, from the CRG Hero for the mini categories, to the Heron for taggeries, the Road Rebel for gearbox competition, and the new FS4, which has been designed specifically for American four-cycle Briggs racing. If you're ready to step up to the national level, do it with a factory race team that competes across the USA. CRG Nordam is a full factory effort with the best personnel and the finest equipment. We're serious about winning, and you should be too. The Kart Republic has arrived in the USA, and it's been taking the world by storm. Kartsport North America is the country's importer and distributor for Dino Chiesa's Kart Republic chassis, and as a leader in American karting, they are focused on providing stability for the sport and quality products and service for the community. 
Kurt Republic racked up an unprecedented amount of championships in its first season in 2018, ranging from the Scusa Winter Series in X30 Senior, the United States Pro Kart Series in Mini Swift and X30 Pro, the FIA European Championship, and the FIA World Championship in OK Senior. Whether you'd like to find out the Kart Republic dealer closest to you or schedule an arrive-and-drive package with its official North American race team, contact Kart Sport North America through their official website, kartsportna.com. You've heard the term bucket list. In karting, it refers to the Rock Island Grand Prix. The world's largest street race for karting will host its 25th edition this coming Labor Day weekend, and you owe it to yourself to be there. The Rock Island Grand Prix lands on the weekend of August 30 and September 1, and everyone in the Mississippi River City is ready to welcome grassroots racers as well as some of the best shifter kart drivers from North America to their home race. A total of 17 race groups are set to tackle the city streets of Rock Island, Illinois, over two full days of exciting competition. The volunteer-based committee and their passionate crew turns their streets into a racing festival overnight as drivers compete for the coveted Rock Trophy. Categories range from the popular Briggs 206, Margay Ignite, and Yamaha classes to Tag, KA100, Shifter Divisions, and the famed King of the Streets main event. It's the most fun you can have on and off the track. It's the Rock Island Grand Prix. Learn more by visiting rockislandgrandprix.com. And if you're a passionate kart racer, it's time to cross this one off your bucket list. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network. My name is Rob Howden, joined by David Cole, podcast that we recorded here on August the 14th, episode what? 54 of the EKN debrief talking about the Scusa Summer Nationals, the final round of the Scusa Pro Tour. Uh, this race report brought to you by Trinity Karting Group. David, let's jump into the X30 Junior class, a, a big field of drivers, talented field of drivers, and it was cool to see a driver uh, score their first win on the Pro Tour on Saturday. It was a, a bit chaotic, yeah. uh, again, as we saw uh, in other events at Newcastle with the X30 Junior category. Uh, pre both the pre-final and final were a bit chaotic with, uh, guys making some contact, shuffling up the order. Um, Brandon Tyner began the weekend, uh, with fast driver in qualifying. He had some contact in the pre-final. This allowed Luke Lang to come up and score the pre-final win. Uh, some more contact shuffle things up, uh, in the final, including Josh Pearson. Uh, this kind of shuffled up the field a little bit. Uh, we ended up having Luke Lang and championship leader uh, Freddie Slater up front. Slater was really defensive. That's is where we saw the defensive line really pack up the field because I think we had the top 12 or 15 all bunched in together Yeah, as they came to the checkered flag. Um, but Bryson Morris took advantage of, of the, bit the bit of chaos and was able to edge out Luke Lang there for the, uh, for the victory and score his first Pro Tour victory. Yeah, took advantage of it, right, Dave? They, they, you go on the defensive, you stack everybody up, you let somebody else come into the play instead of being able to just run away and, and try to do it amongst themselves. As you said, Bryson Morris ends up with the victory, Luke Lang in second, and Freddie Slater uh, rounding out the top three. Coming into Sunday, the drivers working their way back to the front again that we expected. Josh Pearson qualifying on the pole, put a really good lap down. Uh, Brandon Tyner working his way to the, the front in, in the pre-final. He really was one of the top guys all weekend long. Uh, talk a bit about Sunday's race first. Let's let's roll before we go into Sunday's race. David, Freddie Slater electing not to run 
sat out Sunday, having won the championship on Saturday. Yeah, he uh, it's something we've seen happen before and something that, again, you have to kind of look at when when there's a drop race factoring in uh, yep. and, and possible technical or sportsmanship DQs not being able to be dropped. Uh, it's something we've seen happen at a number of events. And, and so the safer route is not to race. And that's the, uh, the way that uh, Freddie Slater went. So he was, he was watching from the sidelines all Sunday. So let's talk about the main event then. What are your thoughts on, on how things kind of happened over the last couple of laps? Again, it's, it's one of those races in these, these longer, these 16 lap races, the guys are getting out They're They're racing hard for the first four, five, six laps, find out where they are. And then they try to stretch away. And you know, people are trying to the lead packs, trying to pull away, whatever it may be. But again, a couple of last, you know, wild laps to cap things off. Yeah. Four drivers kind of essentially set themselves up as a lead group, uh, including John Burke, Brent Cruz, uh, Brandon Tyner, and uh, Jonathan or Edward Ports. Which one is it? Edward, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Ports. Jonathan Ports. Yes. Sorry. I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, so they kind of set themselves up as, as the top uh, drivers in the final and they were able to, it was, it's Jonathan, by the way, uh, they yeah. were able to pull away uh, uh, a good advantage over the rest of the field. But again, defensive line came into play again in the last couple of laps. John Burke was able to, to put himself at the front and he was actually able to, uh, to perform it. Uh, I guess as you plan, maybe, I don't know, because he held everybody off and was able to get to the checkered flag. But uh, Brent Cruz had an amazing pass that we uh, were able to see through Twitter uh, on that last lap came from fourth and was able to sneak inside both uh, ports and Tyner to grab second. And that kind of essentially gave Burke uh, a quick run to the checkered flag. That's what we were trying to like. He was making that run and it was, and you, I would, I was sure I would have said for sure that they were all going to come around that corner. and It was going to be a big drag race. Right. But Cruz made that bat just great move to the inside. And once he got into the apex, everybody else kind of had to check up and that just gave Burke enough room to be able to stretch away. I think the, the margin just under three tenths of a second across the line for Burke Cruz ends up in the second spot, Brandon Tyner in third fast lap did go to Jonathan ports. It's probably the best, best we've seen him run. Uh, at least I've seen him run this year. He's pretty impressive to, to be able to work his way as he did up front. Yes, at the at the Pro Tour, he's ha- had a bit of ups and down on the yeah. on the year, but uh, this was his overall best finish on the season. So, as you said, David Freddie Slater sitting out, so he wins the championship, no issues whatsoever on Sunday, not having to get on the racetrack. Brandon Tyner in second, and Josh Pearson in third. Couple of good finishes for those two Rawls and Performance Group drivers. Slater running with Super Tune USA, good run for him to win that championship as well. Let's move into KA100 Junior, Dave. Uh, awesome field. Very quickly, I think each day kind of settled in, though, to three drivers up front. It did, and it was it was basically the same show, just different uh, leaders every time they almost came yeah. around. Uh, after Chloe Chambers set fast time in qualifying, we had basically it was Logan Adams, Kiffin Simpson, and Connor Zillage that were up front. These three kind of locked up, especially in the main event, got away from everybody and uh, settled it on their own uh, coming to the checkered flag on Saturday and ended up being uh, Simpson who grabbed the victory, uh, edging out Zillage and Adams at the line uh, for the victory. It really was kind of one of those stereo, you know, those textbook stereotypical, let's race hard. They kind of battled back and forth a little bit, but not much. Um, and then pulled away and made it a three driver battle both days. Right. And, and like I said, last couple laps get exciting. People start trying to figure out, where they want to place themselves. Uh, 
But as you said, uh, Simpson ended up getting that win. Connor Zilich in second, and, and Adams yeah, coming home third. He had a great, uh, a great, basically, not de- a defensive move, but uh, basically parked it in I seventy, yep. so they couldn't do the uh, over under. <laughs> That's it, and uh, and kind of timed it just perfectly to kind of balk their momentum, and uh, was able to get to the line first. So it was a good move, and it set things up pretty interesting for the championship because Ethan Ho, the point leader coming in, finished ninth. And that allowed both Simpson and Zillage to surpass his total and basically come into Sunday as the top two drivers in the championship chase. And, and they couldn't leave each other throughout the day on Sunday. Let's talk a bit about the, uh, about the Sunday. It was kind of one of those deals where if you're going to win the race, you're probably going to win the, the championship. And, and Zillich really was the guy to kind of dominate the entire day in terms of where he finished at the checker. He did. He was able to to sweep the round, uh, being in the in the lead position at the end of every session, and especially in the main event, uh, that's where it was uh, the winner take all type mentality. After Zillage did win the pre final and scored that ten bonus points and and for qualifying first, uh, Simpson tried his his best. He gave a valiant effort, uh, but got shuffled back late uh, with coming to the white flag that basically allowed Zillage to cruise to the victory as Simpson had to fight with Adams and came up short with Adams coming across the line in second. Uh, so both Kiffin, Simpson, and Zillage both earning their first victories on the weekend, but Zillage uh, was able to come home as the uh, the series champion, inaugural inaugural champion. Inaugural champion. And, and, Sif- and Simpson had the fast lap of the race bonus points as well. That's what made it so exciting at the end there, right? Uh, let me confirm that. I got it right in front of me. One twenty one seven oh three. See, yeah. you got it. You're good. Yeah. I was. I remember calling that, like, because we did that. We did a lot of that. He needed to win. Still, yeah. he still needed to That's win. Exactly. Uh, you know, the win would have would have. Uh, he needed the win and the bonus points to score the score the championship well, you were... because he lost that. He lost that ten bonus points there. Um, you know, to to, to Zillage and qualifying plus another ten, uh, finishing second to him in, in the, the pre-final. pre-final. So yeah, it was yeah. a bit bit uh interesting and you were using the spreadsheet dave that was that was fun you were we had you working that spreadsheet pretty aggressive pretty aggressively throughout those races uh so well, i think it i think we used it more so in the ka 100 oh, senior my, race more awesome. than anything let's go to that right now because that was interesting uh connor zillich with the championship the inaugural champion in scusa pro tour in the ka 100 junior class uh simpson ends up finishing in second and ho in third uh indeed david the ka 100 class uh i just the Sunday deal. I almost want to just jump to Sunday, but we can't quite do that yet. On Saturday, let's throw another local because well, Saturday but, sets everything up for yeah. Sunday, Rob. And let's throw another local Adams in there, of course, right? So it's not. It was Logan and Junior. It's Garrett and Senior. Garrett qualifies on pole, wins the wins the pre final, and then we got this battle between Austin Osborne, Nick Ramirez, and Adams, but. You know, the bottom line was for Osborne, he had work to do all, all, all Saturday because he didn't qualify as well as he would have wanted to, that's for sure. Yeah, qualified 12th, and and it, as he said at the podium ceremonies, he didn't have the fastest cart. No. Nope. Uh, so basically fought his way forward throughout the day and ended up getting into the lead group there at the end, just had the right race pace uh, to, to be able to join Ramirez and Adams. And, and it looked like Adams had the uh, the victory in hand, but Osborne was able to edge both him and, and uh, Ramirez for the victory. And, and that kind of turned the tables in the championship chase as it put the top four, including Osborne, Ramirez, Persing, and former championship leader Blake Hunt, all within 79 points of each other. Yeah, Blake was not having the best weekend he would have wanted to have. Had some issues with uh, 
his uh, his sprocket carrier at one point in the pre-final, it, just, correct? Yeah, in the pre-final, yeah. Um, so let's move to Sunday then, because you kind of set the stage. Four drivers, all with a, math, a mathematical chance. Of course, you've got the uh, you've got the, um, the the bonus points for fast lap. It, it's it's absolutely wide open coming in on Sunday. All those bonus bonus points, and then who qualifies on the pole? Or rather, yeah, qualifies uh, P one. Matthew Mockaby. Well, that I was just going to say, it, a lot of it had to do with the the one-off drivers, the guys who were just yeah. there racing for victories. And and as you said, Mockaby set fast time in qualifying, so he stole the 10 points from everybody gunning for that yep. uh, 10 bonus points. And then you throw in Pauly Massimino, who goes out and wins the pre-final, so he gets maximum points in that race. So it kind of shuffled things up still for the for the main event as we go in. Uh, you're thinking, okay, the, lo- the some of these one-offs are just going to run away. Well, Mas- uh, Massimino fell off a little bit. It was actually Adams who jumped back up, in, or it was Maccabi who fell off a little bit. It was Adams yeah. and Massimino who kind of jumped out to the front. And then Nick Ramirez came to life here in the main event and joined them at the front of the field. And well, let's, so let's, I was, was just going to say, I was just going to set the stage. Yeah. So Do it. I'll, 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 I'll let you have it. Essentially... Osborne, I'll, I'll start. We'll start with Osborne. He came into the main event leading the leading the championship. <laughs> needed a top eight finish to secure the championship. By the time I get out there to start taking photos, I see him falling off pace, falling off pace. So I notice that he has another flat right rear. Same type. Of, You're texting yeah, me. Same of type. Because I don't. I don't know if I can't hear you announcing it or not. So I don't know if yeah. you noticed it because you couldn't see anything according to everybody. <laughs> Apparently, and yeah. uh, and so. So I, so all of a sudden we see Osborne falling off base and he eventually has to get off the racetrack because he just he can't hang on anymore and they black flag him because he's off the pace. So he goes from pretty much securing the championship to losing what we assume to be losing the championship. And so I get done taking my photos. I come up there and I start blasting the numbers around with where everybody is. Well, Ramirez is running third. Okay, he, he can't do it. The only way Ramirez can win the championship is if he wins the race. You look at Persing, he needs to finish fourth, and he's in the second race group, so he's kind of fighting to get up towards the fourth, fourth position where Blake Hunt is sitting, but he needs to get up there and try and win the race or finish possibly, I believe it was third even, <laughs> might have gave him the championship with fast lap <laughs> of the race. Well, Ramirez steals that. I know. So we look at his numbers, and he needs to win the race. Ramirez is racing in the front of the field, they come. We're, we're watching Persing because it. I don't. I don't know how you want to describe that. The, this this last lap part. If you if you want to take over the last lap. So David, should we just go to the last lap here now? What are we gonna do? Yeah, just, that's yeah, not good. You you go over the last right. lap. <laughs> okay, final lap of this race. This this is where it gets interesting. We're of course you know we're we're calling things back and forth. David's giving me the the where everybody is. Ramirez gets himself into the lead. Somehow Ramirez ends up getting into the lead, where he is going to win this championship. But as happens so many times at Newcastle Motorsports Park, out of the I-70 hairpin, everybody's stacking it up. He's going a bit on the defensive side. And somehow both Adams and Massimino get by. It's the drag race to the line. Ramirez ends up finishing third. They they sandwiched him. That's it. Adams Adams went outside. Either way. And then, yeah. and then, and then Massimino <laughs> went to the inside. Ramirez went for Massimino and, instead of Adams. So Adams 
cleared the outside and, and got to the line first. And the inside line is so tight because you got the grass there, but you've also got the barriers for the for Aaron Likens, for the flag guys. So there's only so much room to the left, the left of the racetrack. Like you said, they go around the outside of him. Ramirez ends up finishing third. Adams gets the win. Persing finishes fourth. He's the champion. You know, there's Austin uh, Austin Osborne, who all he had to do was finish eighth. He's in the he's done. He's in the he's already in the paddock. He's finished. And Persing wins the championship. Or so we think. Right? It's just we we yeah, you know, so what we think. We yeah. thought for that brief second that Ramirez had it. And that was the most wild part of it. Is yeah, because exactly. we're like, because the whole time leading up until the last lap, we're like, Persing's gonna win this. He's yeah. gotten into fourth. There's there's he's and then he kind of got away from that group. So he had the position secured. We're like, it's all his. And then we look to I-70 and we see Ramirez. And I'm like, Ramirez is leading! <laughs> so, okay. Again, so it's a crazy race. Uh, Nick Piercy wins uh, the championship as we, so we think. Uh, you know, out of the scales with his Nash Motorsports team, pumped. Nick wins the in K100 Senior. His dad has won the X30 Supermaster category. And then we find out later on that there's a penalty coming down for two wheels outside the lines on the start to Nick Piercy. Yeah. And again, it's not, again, they don't hand out the penalty paper like on the line. They, they issue it on the app. So it's, it's kind of, again, that's the one thing I wish they would get away with. They would not let anybody go through the scale line without getting that penalty. And without oh, see, being yeah. notified that they received a penalty. So it, it takes away from that type of, I mean, we sat there in the super nats, I think for five minutes waiting for penalties to be decided. So we could, could we, so yeah. we could do the podiums and yeah. I, you know, and so it, it again, this weekend, it, because you have nine race groups, it's just like, bam, 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 ready, racing, ready, racing. So we got to do all that. So I, I, that, that's kind of the frustrating part because, he comes across, he thinks he has a victory, he celebrates with his team, celebrates with his family, and then however he got notified that he got a penalty, he got the penalty. There it is. And it ends up with the penalty, drops him down the order. Uh, where does he end up finishing, David? He was finishes ninth, ninth, drops him back behind yeah. Blake Hunt, who dropped back to, to ninth. Uh, but with the penalty to Persing, it moves him to ninth and then moves up Hunt to eighth, which is still not good enough to uh, to finish top three or finish top three in the championship. Osborne ends up winning the championship national number one plate. Nick Ramirez in second. Uh, Nick Piercing in third spot. Actually, I spoke with Blake today. He's he's kind of happy that he did it. He would rather won it or got fourth. I don't think he wanted two. And I don't think he wanted three. He came in looking for the championship and he's fine with fourth. So uh, in the end, Austin Osborne gets that championship. Uh, and circle of champions, too. He yeah. gets to race all next year now because he said his dad supported him all season long. You know, he's going to school right now. So I think now he has the incentive to come back and race again next year with yeah. uh, the number one plate. It was uh, it was wild for sure. And it was just championship Sunday. The Emotional. Everything, was, <laughs> uh, everything that was happening throughout that race. And then, it, and then it, it's afterwards. We weren't even done after the checkered flag. It was... It was nuts. All right, Dave, let's jump into the Mini Swift category here. An awesome field of drivers in the Mini Swift class. Uh, out of the box, Asus Vasquez Jr., uh, last lap run in qualifying. He takes the pole on Saturday. Uh, young Caleb Gaffera stepping up for PSL Karting on the Burrell Art. He wins the pre-final. But 
the, the, the main event, man, it was pretty impressive racing out front. Christian Miles comes home with a race win there. Talk about that race a little bit. Yeah, Miles actually had a, a, a rough qualifying yeah. session. So he came from 27th to second in the prefinal alone. So that kind of helped his championship hopes uh, as he as he was looking to to battle for the championship coming into the weekend. So that P2 helped gain him points over Kai Sorensen, who came into the, the weekend leading the yeah, championship. Crucial. Well, it ended up being Miles, Sorensen, Graffar, and Leonard all racing up front. Um and it ended up coming again, once again, to to a photo finish. Sorensen came out of I-70 leading uh, and decided to drift a little bit to the left to try and block Miles from from gaining momentum. And it, I'm not sure if contact was made. but I think uh, so. There was contact. There could have been. Yeah, and right and as me. you said, with those barriers there protecting Aaron Likens, it, it kind of helped. It kind of forced Miles to, to get out of it before he hit the walls yeah. and the barriers. Uh, but Sorensen came across the line as the provisional winner. Officials looked at the, everything and handed him a 10-second penalty for impeding and reckless conduct. Yeah, it's a double one, right? It wasn't just impeding. It was the reckless conduct as well. As I, and you said where I said that it was such a big win for Miles because, as you said, David, trouble in qualifying. He's in the mid-pack, 27th, having to work his way up to second, as you said, in the pre-final. And, again, it was a stereotypical battle to the end, you know, coming out of that, that final corner, maybe one of the reasons why you'd let, rather like to see the start finish line past turn one, where it used to be right kind of in the middle there so that you had that full drag race and then you potentially get the over under. But as they came out of the corner, miles made the move to the inside. And indeed from, for us, from where we are, at least my vantage point for sure, yours as well. I'm looking str- from where I am in, in the champions lounge, we're looking straight up. So in, any movement guys are making, we're seeing it. And it was just that drift across uh, for Sorensen, kind of just moving uh, miles over. And it's you know, I'm talking to a bunch of guys in the paddock later, some of the veteran drivers and you know, in the in the pro categories. It's like you you, you can make a move like that if you're going to defend, and then of course then you can't come back. But it's it's not the run to turn one. You're not defending to turn one and holding a line. It's immediate. It's an immediate block. Anytime you're moving coming to the checker, it's a block. They're not setting up to defend a corner. It's the block to the line. I, I don't know if that's exactly what Joe Janowski and the crew looked at as officials, uh, but with all the video they have, David, they could see the move for sure. Well, and, that, and that's why I said we need to go back to where the line was yeah. because it's a matter of outbreaking someone. You know, yeah. you, if you want to hold the outside or the inside line and think you're going to outbreak me, or or even like what Simpson did in I seventy and just park it so that way it it eliminated the the over under type scenario. It, it it gives us something different than just drag racing and blocking. Yep. You know, I would much rather see guys go for it in the last corner with only however many feet, you know, 50 feet left to the, to the checkered flag rather than the, ch- I mean, the chess game is still kind of fun and interesting, but to me, it, 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 I don't know. It lends, it lends for more uh, predictable finishes is what I, what I guess I could say. Well, it, what it did eventually, or essentially, is blows things wide open uh, for Sunday. Uh, coming into Sunday's races, only four points separating Sorensen and Miles for the championship battle. Uh, out of the box, Miles getting things underway with a quali- qualifying on the pole position. Sorensen, though, comes back in the pre-final a little bit. You can talk more about the racing, but every both those drivers needing to get points are grabbing when they could. Miles gets the 10-point bonus for qualifying. Sorensen comes comes right back and gets top points in the pre-final. It just it made it interesting 
you know, going into the, the, the main. But it, it, the pre-final was, uh, was where Miles lost points yes. because he had the opportunity to, I, I guess he was trying to make a pass on Sorensen for the lead on I-70 and ran the outside line that, is what I believe. Yeah, looks, well, from, and, from what we could see from we, where we were, right? Right. A long way away. And, and basically was, went off track and fell all the way back to six. So a possible second to six cost him valuable points and really made it to where he had to win yeah. in order to surpass Sorensen. Uh, I think Sorensen really, if he finished second, even was, was good enough to, to earn the championship. So, so miles needed to win, get fast lap bonus points and needed some help with Sorensen. And the, the, the main event ended up being the top four in the championship standings all right there in the lead group, including uh, Leonard and uh, Parker DeLong. So they were battling with, with miles and Sorensen. And it seemed like miles was kind of like the, uh, the fourth leg of a, of a three-legged dog where it wasn't really needed. <laughs> yeah, I just he he was he was battling for it for sure. But you said in the pre-final, it's it seemed to me, and I don't we don't have I haven't looked at video or anything, but it just looked like he tried to make the outside move. You know, I was thinking about that. All these guys parking it on the apex. Well, you know, if as long as you're not trying the inside move, you can roll the outside if he tries to park it. So that was what happened. But and again, there was no pe- there was no call that that we heard of in terms of contact. It just seems like he may have gone off the outside of the track. So. Again, like you said, though, Dave, championship Sunday battle, top four points, battling it out. You throw Anderson Leonard in there. You throw Parker DeLong in there. Leonard ends up with the win. Sorensen second, DeLong third. Sorensen wins the championship by 59 points over Miles. Leonard with that win, jumping up to the third spot. It was uh, it was an exciting weekend, all, all, all told for the drivers in the Mini Swift class. I thought the racing was pretty good otherwise, but there was a little bit of, a little bit of bodywork contact, little action, I think. Uh, especially up front. Uh, not only up front, <laughs> but throughout the yeah. field, because uh, we saw actually that was really the only category we saw some issues at the start. Uh, we had a couple guys getting turned sideways there in turn yep. one on the start, um, you know, collecting a number of other drivers with them as well. Uh, so, you know, it's just, again, it's, you know, everybody's, it's, this is a top level and everybody's going for it. And sometimes, you know, they, they, the risk is much more, worse than uh than what the gain would have been and, and that's what happens sometimes when 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 some of these young drivers again 10 to 12 drive 10 to 12 year old drivers uh are, are doing out there yeah david and you know they they have that propensity when they come out of turn number one to do that whole sawing on the wheel thing to try to kind of they think they're making gaps you know what i mean that's where we get in the mid-pack guys are like sawing on the wheel to try to knock guys around them and they end up climbing on top of each other instead of just holding your spots and, and trying to get through the opening couple of corners hey on the other side of the spectrum, I thought the Micro Swift drivers, again, did an amazing job. Not as many of them on the racetrack, but man, they really took care of each other. And the racing was just really, really good in that class, I thought. No, but it was one of the largest fields that we saw all year yeah. with 23 drivers. Uh, so 10 more than we saw in Utah. So Indeed. really great to see the uh, the uh, imp- the uh, growth in the, in the numbers in that category. But up front, it was basically all Nitro Kart all weekend long. It was. It was. Austin Olds, though, uh, qualifying on the pole position on Saturday. Spencer Conrad stepped up on, on uh, in the pre-final to grab that pre-final. Ends up qualifying on the pole, of course, for the main. And then at one point, it was Ayrton Grimm and, 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 and Spencer Conrad locked up. Jack Iliff got in there as well. But, David, it was... Uh, once the once the nitro guys got hooked up they were definitely working together that's for sure they were uh conrad and grim have been racing all year long together so they they've really put uh 
together a great uh, partnership working together on racetrack. But then, then when it comes to the last lap, it's, it's anything goes. And, and on Saturday, <laughs> Grim was able to come out uh, with the victory ahead of Iliff with uh, Conrad finishing there in third. Uh, but the second place victory or second place finished by Iliff essentially uh, gave him the, uh, the championship in the, in the Michael Swift category. Yeah, indeed. Uh, like you said, you know, coming off that really strong, uh, weekend at Utah where Jack was able to win both races, had that momentum coming in big, big points as well, of course, being able to, to, to get that done. And then, and then, as you said, kind of fighting there, the top four guys, guys are all on top of each other, but I, you know, it's always cool to see a driver get their, their first ever pro tour victory. And I was pretty, I was pretty happy for Aaron Grimm. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And again, we saw it again on Sunday as uh, Conrad was able to grab his first pro tour victory of his career in his first, I believe, pro tour start. So, yeah, well, and just going to throw Cameron Weinberg in there to make it top three drivers all night. Oh, pardon me, Carson. I keep saying Cameron, yeah. Carson. And again, as soon as that happened, it was over. <laughs> they just, yeah, they pulled away. It, it was, it was interesting how it was going to unfold because we thought, you know, the guys were just, again, waiting for the last lap. As they were coming to the white flag, we had a little bit of contact as Grim kind of drove over yeah. the right or right rear of Conrad as they went through the scoreboard corner. So that kind of gave Conrad a little bit of a gap over Grim and Weinberg because Weinberg was right there as well, had nowhere to go, and essentially got stuck behind Grim as they came out of that corner. Uh, so that gave Conrad a clean uh, drive to the checkered flag. And then Weinberg was able to get ahead of Grimm uh, at the line for the second spot. Overall, as you said, a couple of the drivers that did so well that on the weekend weren't at the opening rounds of the series. So Jack Iloff ends up getting the championship. Uh, Logan Chambers, who actually was, a, was a kind of a top five guy all weekend, had a, had a couple of good good uh, runs in the in like the pre-final and the final, was able to work his way up a little bit forward. Uh, Chambers ends up second overall, Dave, and Graham Trammell rounding out the top three drivers of the overall championship for the MicroSwift class. Yep. Overall, again, a good, uh, good performance by Iliff scoring, uh, the first, uh, his first pro tour victory, but with Iliff scoring two victories in Utah and then two different winners here, two different winners in uh, Cal speed, we had five different winners in the micro swift category this year. Pretty solid folks. Well, there it is. That's your, uh, your race report from the Supercars USA summer nationals, the final round of the 2019 Scusa pro tour. After this quick break, David and I are going to come back. We'll do a quick wrap up and then we'll look at the EKN trackside live race calendar for the remainder of the August and September weeks. Stick with us. More to come. Carts, parts, engines, tires, and tools at sharkshifter.com. What you need is just a click away. We carry the biggest names in chassis, like Tony Cart and FA, DR Cart, CRG, and VLR. We have new chassis and all the parts you need. At SharkShifter.com, we also stock top quality replacement parts from Swift components, like axles, sprockets, and hubs. We have the inventory you need for your stock Honda as well, from cylinders, heads, and engine parts, to reeds, exhaust pipes, ignition covers, radiators, air filters, and air boxes. We build our own billet aluminum components as well, including motor mounts and clutch levers. Need to add to your toolbox? We offer alignment tools, brake, battery, and exhaust tools, tire gauges, and hand tools. Stop messing around getting your seat in the right position. We have a seat mounting system that makes it easy. Check the website for monthly specials. If you need it, we can get it to you fast. We ship the same day. Sharkshifter.com. 
your online source for carts and parts. The 2019 season marks the 20th anniversary for PSL Karting, North America's importer and distributor for the legendary Burrell Art brand. PSL Karting is your complete source for all things Burrell Art, providing this top quality product both through their expansive dealer network or through their own pslkarting.com online store. We have over 100 Burrell Art carts in stock at all times. We can provide you with a turnkey package with an IAMI, Rotax, Rock, or Briggs power plant, complete and ready to race. Whatever you need is available 24-7 at our online store, including parts and components, consumables like AMSOIL, Motul, and Rotax XPS engine oil, and Vroom lubricants, Micron data acquisition systems, and Unipro, and of course driver safety gear from Bell, Arai, Freem, and Alpine Stars. Trackside, we're also the karting distributor for Bell Racing USA. Arrive and Drive programs, supported by PSL's experienced staff and our in-house engine program, are available for all major U.S. and Canadian events. When you're ready to win, call PSL Karting or visit one of our dealers. And as always, head to pslkarting.com. Cartlift has been designing, engineering, and building innovative cart stands since 2003. Our flagship model Winchlift LT is the motorized workhorse of our cart stand lineup and should be the foundation of your karting program. When it comes to test days or race days, the Winchlift is an invaluable tool that allows you to head to the track to test and tune anytime, knowing that your cart will easily be lifted with the press of a button. Add our innovative winch stacker, and now you can double stack two carts on top of a folded down winch lift, saving space in your trailer or garage. If a lifting cart stand isn't for you, then one of our traditional folding scissor stands, double or triple stacker stands, or upright stand should fill the need. Every one of our cart stands features flat-free wheels and casters and a durable powder coat finish. Check out our full stand lineup as well as our chassis skid plates, tire changers, and accessories at cartlift.com. That's www.cartlift.com. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network. Almost wrapped up with this podcast, looking at the uh, Supercarts USA Summer Nationals final round of the Pro Tour. It's the debrief, number 54 uh, of this particular uh, podcast. David, let's wrap things up as we always do. Let's have a look at the Constructors' Championship breakdown. Eight different brands, I believe, or is it more than that? What, nine brands, I think, scoring race wins? Yeah, I miscounted that uh, when I wrote this That's script right. here. But, yeah, nine different brands. I had to recount them twice because I had the numbers <laughs> wrong. It added up to 25. And I'm like, mm, that doesn't add That's up right. right, so let me redo this. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tony Card ended up coming out uh, with five victories on the weekend to lead all chassis brands, F.A. Cart finishing up in second with four victories uh we had three different chassis with three wins each croc promotion comp cart and cosmic each had three victories crg gaining two with brett harrelson nitro cart gaining their two victories in micro swift and then cart republic and burrell arts are each earning one on the weekend we'll use those of course add them up in our ekn constructors championship i'll look for an update on that later on down the line uh david uh, you know to wrap things up an almost record turnout more 
categories this year on the pro tour, of course. So that kind of let's temper that a little bit, knowing the fact that there's just more, more classes as well. Largest event for the 2019 season. And regardless, four drivers getting an opportunity to re- represent Supercarts USA at the IAMI International Final in Le Mans, France in October. Yeah, we have Ryan Norberg, Matt Johnson, Freddie Slater. They're doing senior, master, and we're thinking junior uh, yeah. might not be the class for Slater because of his age. He so he'll, be, he yeah. might be doing the uh, the mini category. Uh, Kai Sorensen won the ticket in mini swift, but we might be if we're kind of hearing that he might not be taking the ticket. So okay. we'll find out uh, and confirm that uh, later uh, in the next couple of weeks. Obviously, big uh, news in terms of four-time champions on the on the series as well. The tenth edition of the Pro Tour, uh, Jordan Musser, who's been a, you know a longtime driver on the tour, four championships, not consecutively, but four championships for Jordan in the S four and G one classes. There's just not much you can say more you can say about Ryan Norberg winning four straight SKUs and national championships. It's just it's incredible. Yeah, there's not much more we can say about it, but <laughs> other than can we do five? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Four more. Let's yeah. do five now. You're there's, nothing. There's five fingers on a hand. I want to see five. <laughs> that's. I like that. I like that. Uh, also, the first time we, the we thumb, said before. Right? One for the thumb. One, that's it. What was that? One I believe that was Brady. Wasn't no. It was. Uh, it was no. It was Jordan. One for the thumb. I'm pretty sure it was, it was Jordan. Are you sure it wasn't? Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that Gianluco Beggio won four championships. Yeah. For yeah. Burrell. Uh, first time we saw a driver stand on the podium in both the Pro Shifter and the X30 Senior category in one day. Impressive for for Billy Musgrave. Just an all-around talent, right? He's, he's easily one of the top drivers in the country. Sorry, I was looking up the the, the uh, thumb thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, Billy Musgrave. Yeah, again, we 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 need to confirm that he is a he is the uh, first driver to do it uh, to be able to stand up on those on the podiums for both categories in the same day. Uh, but you know, again easily one of the top five drivers in the country, regardless of whether you're talking shifter or X30 senior, I, I believe. So for Supercarts USA, focusing on a couple more of, uh, events still to come, the California Pro Car Challenge has a couple of races in September at Santa Maria and, of course, the streets of Lancaster Grand Prix. Uh, earlier in the month, uh, what, right, uh, actually mid-month, uh, September 13th, 14th, 15th, Texas Pro Car Challenge wrapping up their season at Houston at Speed Sports Racing Complex. And David, did you listen? Did you finally get the update on who's what, what's one for the thumb? Well, Google's telling me Pittsburgh Steelers had that saying going, and then obviously Tom there Brady because he does have six. There, so. there you go. Uh, and again, of course, Scoos are wrapping things up in November. We're all looking forward to getting to Super Nationals number 23. Let's move it on, but we'll cap it off with our EK and Trackside Live race calendar uh, presented today by Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires. If the dream is IndyCar, set your target on the road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires. This unparalleled ladder system is designed to take drivers through three rungs of competition, beginning with USF 2000 and progressing through Indy Pro 2000 and Indy Lights. Along the way, each series champion receives a scholarship to race at the next level. If you want to race IndyCar, there's only one choice. The road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires. And interesting, David, talk about road to Indy couple of ex-Scusa Pro Tour drivers doing pretty damn good right now. Oliver Askew and Kyle Kirkwood leading the championship right now, heading into the next events. Uh, you know, 
since you mentioned their names, I just want to say, look at what they did when they were in Supercarts USA. They ran shifter carts. They did run shifter carts. We're not seeing a lot of these kids that are moving up running shifter carts. They're moving right from junior into, into open wheel cars. I don't, I don't know what the correct path is, but we've seen it early on with AJ Allmendinger and Mike McDowell all running 80 shifters. You know, yeah. is, 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 could it be a common thing? Hey, Scott Speed know. ran 80 shifter as well. There you go. Scott Speed. Yeah. Uh, Ferrucci's kind of a, an anomaly because he was he he just took off and, and went and did what he needed to do right away. <laughs> I don't think Piggott ever ran shifter carts, though, but he there wasn't really the opportunity there because it was basically uh, ICA. You know, it was kind of in between when the stars and, and CKI type, type deal yep. was going on. But uh, yeah, I, I really, well, I really, Oliver, I was going to say Oliver and Kyle, one thing about them is too, when they rolled into the road to Indy, they were 18, 19 years of age. They weren't 14 or 15 year old kids, right? They, they, they ran senior carding and you and I talk a lot about how senior carding is different than junior. When you get in there, you gotta, you gotta uh, muscle up. You gotta get re- used to that kind of stuff. And, and they, they made the transition look easy. So. Yeah, and I I wanted to segue the shifter part to watching shifter carts at the upcoming Rock Island Grand Prix because if if there's anything again you mentioned Scott Speed we got Bobby Wilson we got Alan Rudolph Kyle Wiegand all these shifter cart studs have all won at the Rock Island Grand Prix and we're gonna get to see the 25th edition this Labor Day weekend. Yeah, we just had the podcast that I did with Roger Ruthart uh, running this week on the ECAN Radio Network. Uh, again, so our first ECAN trackside live event on the race calendar, August 31st, September 1st. David Cole heading back to the 25th running of the Rock Island Grand Prix in Rock Island, Illinois, the awesome street race. David will be doing the broadcast along with uh, Tim Coyne, but you're also bringing the helmet, doing some more driving again. Yeah, I can't even remember. I think this is like my ninth straight year racing there or something like that. Uh, going to get back with Margay Racing, going to race in the Ignite category, the Masters class. And this will be my first time, uh, aside from, from what I, we did kind of at Indy, but this is my first time racing Rock Island now with the Ignite program on the Hoosier tires. So I've been yep. been driving it with the Bridgestone tires the last uh, few years. 2015 was my first year. I didn't run Ignite last year, but heading there back again with uh, the Ignite program and excited to see what it's going to be like because I'm hearing a lot of tough guns are going to be in the Masters class this year. Well, you're one of the top guns there, Dave. You've always done well at Rock Island. If you stay out of the wall, you got a chance to win. So I, I look forward to seeing what you're going to be able to do. I'll be at Portland for the IndyCar race. I was going to say, you're, you're not going to see it. You're going to be disappointed yeah. watching Race Monitor. I'll again, be right? watching Race Monitor. Make sure you come around every time, you <laughs> dumbass. I don't want to see you falling down the order. Uh, after that, two weeks after that, September 13th, 14th, 15th, I head down to Speed Sports Racing Park. Uh, in Houston, Texas, Alan Rudolph and the family there will welcome everybody in for the Texas Pro Car Challenge. Final event of the Pro Car Challenge for 2019. And the week after that, David, you're at home for both these weekends. I am back at it. Streets of Lancaster Grand Prix the following weekend. Uh, looking forward to being there for the Scusa finale. Always fun at the Streets of Lancaster event. And at both of those races, David, I will have no doubt be stopping at In and Oot Burger. Yeah, I know. I I, I I've already prepared my body since I knew I wasn't going to get any uh, till Vegas. Till Vegas, I prepared my body, so we're we're good to go till November. It's okay. I, we saw the Lavia brothers this weekend. They're bu- bugging us about what a burger and how yep. beautiful and amazing and 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 gorgeous the burgers are. And I keep telling them it's it's crap. But they don't <laughs> believe me. But I prepared myself to wait till November. It's okay. Yep. You know, it's kind of like you know, it's I'm on a leave. You know, it's like I'm 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 fighting a war over here in Michigan where there's no In and Out Burger, and 
and I, I'm going to keep fighting that fight until November. And David, it'll be like Christmas in November for you. Oh, that Tuesday when I land and 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 get to that In and Out Burger, it's it, you know you know remember those reunions that you used to see in the old days of, of yep. War Heroes coming back with you know the the girl kissing the guy. It'll be like that with me the burger. Uh, that's good. We'll get a picture of that then. You kissing the burger. I'll, I'll, I'll even happen. put my leg up. You know, kind of the you know the back leg up a little bit. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. So and folks, <laughs> it's, it's not in September. It's actually in October. We're not even sure if we're going to go trackside live with it yet. We may. We're, we we haven't even talked about with, with Greg Jasperson, but David and I are going to essentially wrap up our season before the Supernats. At least my season. I'll get our la- our last driving event is going to be the first week of October with David and I in the Cup Carts North America Grand Nationals. I think that's going to be a big event. A lot of people talking about it, Dave. Newcastle Motorsports Park. Uh, what will it be? The, you'll be there four times in total, I think. So that'll be my third trip because the weekend after third. will be the WK Manufacturers Cup uh, finale for 2019. Go. So I'll be back to back at Newcastle again. Uh, the first weekend, I probably will be a little bit more enjoyable because we'll be getting to uh, to drive. I'll be with CRG Nordam. You'll be with some other team that I don't want to talk about right now, but. <laughs> PSL carding Mark Steele on a Ricardo chassis for the Robster. I know guys are already talking smack to us this weekend. Uh, well, listen, you were talking smack to me too. And yes, they were talking smack to us and I'm all for it. Bring it on. I mean, how, how can Curtis Fox talk smack? He's never races a Briggs. That's true. Well, at least not again. But you sure he's not raced a Briggs in Canada at least once. He said he's never raced it. All right. Well, all we got to do is push him off an I-70. We don't have to worry about him again anyways. It's perfect. Yeah. Exactly. There no is. cameras there. <laughs> nope. That's it. All right, folks, we're done for this particular edition of the podcast. I know it was a long one. Thank you so much for sticking with us. We appreciate it. Uh, awesome weekend at the Supercarts USA Summer Nats. Ten years. Congratulations to Tom and Patty Kutcher and the whole staff for ten years of Pro Tour Racing, National Championships, Scusa Racing. Uh, lots more races for them here this year. Aaron, Santa Maria. Aaron, that- I was going to say Aaron Likens, 10 years too. We didn't Aaron him. Likens, uh, Tony Leone, I believe Tony, as well. Tony Leone. All, all the races, myself, all the races. Uh, Stan, it's. Uh, I think Stan's been part of it since then too as well. I'm not sure if he's made all the events though. I have okay. a feeling he may have missed okay. one or two. But I, he may have. Stan Bernarski may have been in there too. But uh, it's it's been a great run, ladies and gentlemen, for them and, and, and many more years to come for Supercarts USA. They've got a good program lined up for next year. We'll find out where they're going. But, David, national championship's done. I'm sure a press release will be coming out soon with the full confirmation of all the number plates for next year, who won what awards. A lot, you know, Obviously, tire, everybody in the podium getting tires again. Uh, a lot of Avinco tires going out uh, to the people that made the podium in both days of competition. We want to thank everyone for joining us. David, any final words? Oh, and weekend cash winners. Uh, yeah. they, they always they'll, – they'll calculate those again as well, too, and – and announced because I think we had how many categories did we have above thirty? Uh, pull the sheet out. I got yep. it in front of me here. We what had we Mini Swift above thirty, X thirty Junior getting above thirty. We had X thirty Senior. That's it. That's yep. it. So I, I mean, if we combine KA one hundred Junior and Senior, we'd have over thirty, <laughs> but that doesn't work. All right, folks, we're done for this particular edition. We got some great stuff coming up. I've got a, uh, I got a podcast uh, lined up at Industry Insider with Justin Stefani. Uh, we're going to have a This Week in Carding coming up again soon as well. And I'm also lining up Ryan Norberg for issue number two, edition two of the Book It podcast. Guys won four straight championships. We're going to sit down with Ryan uh, Norberg and talk a little bit about what it, uh, what it means to him to have had this kind of success over the last four years. Folks, on behalf of David Cole, thank you so much for joining us. My name is Rob Howden. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.